You are listening to the Savage Fincast, Episode 7, Genocide, Deicide, and Daxicide. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast. Back again for another episode, episode 7. I'm Jim Purcell. And I'm Craig. And it's just us two this month. I'm, uh... I know I say this probably every episode, but I'm pretty excited about this episode, uh, especially as we have uh, Corey Hampshire. He's going to be talking to us a little later on. Um, you guys know him as the Artist of Supreme, so we've got that going on, and we've just got two uh, Savage Dragon-related, I mean, uh, Eric Larson-related comics with uh, Supreme 65 and Savage Dragon 180, both out recently in uh same week. They both came out last uh, this week. Yeah. No, last week. Yeah. So, I mean, Supreme is, you know, Eric kind of, he's finished off the Moore story and closed that up. And it's kind of a new beginning with, you know, now Eric's kind of full steam ahead with his stories. And the Savage Dragon issue is kind of wrapping up that major alien invasion story arc. So there's a lot to talk about today. Yep. But before we get to that, uh, Craig, uh, you ready to... Have you read anything interesting recently? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of good stuff out, but um, a couple of things I'd like to talk about. What I'm reading between issues of Savage Dragon is uh, American Barbarian uh, came out probably about a month ago now, maybe a little bit more. Um, American Barbarian is Tom Scioli's uh, brainchild to create our own project that came out through uh, Ad House Book. Tom Scioli, he's the guy who did, um, um, not Jersey Gods. Uh, he does Godland. Godland. Yeah, he's done uh, The Myth of Eight Opus. He's done Freedom Force. He's got that real Jack Kirby style going on. Um, but it's it's a good uh, it's a good read. American Barbarian kind of started off as a webcomic. Yeah, I read it as a webcomic. It, uh, it, it updated sporadically. I don't know if it ever kept to a schedule, but you got a new panel or a new page about a couple times a week. Yeah, and it's it's a comic. I mean, it's it's perfect medium, you know, perfect story for the medium. It's anything goes, anything can happen. It's a mix of like Thundar the Barbarian with I don't know, like sci-fi and Mad Max and. I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, it had a good. I liked the art, but um, I honestly thought I don't know. I didn't. It didn't really resonate with me like I hoped it would. I mean, it had, like, great imagery, but I'll be honest, I didn't really care about the villain, and I thought some of the uh, characters were a bit stereotypical, but it was definitely going for that uh, Commandy vibe, I guess, and yeah. those other, that similar type thing, and I guess that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. So I can dig it. Yeah, I think I think what he was going for is he just wanted to sh- have a comic where he kind of could just do everything and anything. If he wanted robotic dinosaurs or, you know... I don't know, uh, psychedelic kind of trippy things and, you know, villains with tanks for feet or 
whatever he wanted to throw in, he could throw in, and you wouldn't really question it because it's just a fun comic. It's just, you know, you just want to see some adventure and just some crazy wild things happen. And that's what you got. I mean, you have to be pretty open-minded. You have to, you know, be that kind of person that enjoys, like, you know, some kind of wild ride with just things that are just so fantastic that just possibly couldn't happen in real life. But. And uh, ever since uh, American Barbarian ended, he's been running this new comic called uh, Final Frontier. Yeah. Which uh, is definitely his take on the Fantastic Four and the coming of Galactus and all that good stuff. Uh, again, I'm not too totally uh, into it, but it, I definitely keep up on it. Right. I actually been liking that better than American Barbarian and I like American Barbarian so um, I'll be interested in, in keeping up with it and hopefully that he puts that into like a hardcover collection like American Barbarian so oh I'm sure you'll see that eventually once it uh, reaches it, its conclusion yeah so, I'm not sure how long it's supposed to run yeah I'm not sure either I think he just kind of I don't know if he even has that planned out or he just keeps going until he kind of figures out you know how he wants to run with it but anyway, I uh, recommend it. I know um, the Gutter Trash uh, uh, podcast, which uh, is in our network of podcasts, they actually host our podcast. Yeah, they're our host. They uh, they've, they've taken good care of us. I got to give a shout out to my uh, my friend uh, Eric. I'm gonna butcher this, Sean Byrne, which sucks because uh, I've been uh, internet friends with him for years now, and um, he's uh, he, he he I was really impressed with him. For, I met him. I met him back when Newsarama used to have a forum. Uh, he, we used to be part of a, a, a monthly art thread where he would, we, where we would get, it, we would get a topic, and then we would draw it. And that's where I kind of got into his art. Um, and then eventually Newsarama died, and he moved to his own uh, blog. And for the last year, since, uh, well, not since February, but for a whole year, he updated one piece of art per day for 370 days. Uh, yeah, 372 days, and it was like it was awesome yeah. just to watch him work. And I, I'm just th- so thankful that when I when we decided to do this podcast, that he really came up to bat to give us web hosting and pointers. And really, without him, we probably wouldn't be here. Cool. Yeah. I, well, so I gotta thank him. Definitely. And check out their podcast. Uh, I was about to say that they reviewed American Barbarian. And they enjoyed it for the most part. They had some issues with some things, um, but um, it's a it's a good uh, listen. And if you decide you think you might be interested, you might want to give their podcast a listen to and see what they had to say. I might uh, I might do that myself actually. So anyway, that's that's kind of like what I've been reading. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff, but we'll just go with that for for this episode. And what have you uh, been into? Well, um, nothing. Um, well, I uh, just for regular comics that come out every month. Uh, I've re- I'm reading uh, Saga uh, and uh, Manhattan Projects, which are two of my favorite new image titles that came of, of this year. Yeah, they've been a hit. Uh, oh yeah, they've been burning up the 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 sales charts as I understand it. But uh, Saga is interesting. This latest issue of Saga was really really good like win all the eisner awards good yeah at least in my opinion it's just i I don't know if you you read it right yeah yeah i don't want to spoil it because it's one of those moments in comics that 
you, you got to experience it when it happens. Right, right. And it's just so good. Uh, Manhattan Projects, uh, Jonathan Hickman. Um, again, there's another major – it's another issue where there's a big reveal in it mm-hmm. that I really don't want to spoil. Uh, that when it happens, you go, huh? And then it all makes sense. Yeah, and Manhattan Projects is cool because it's all kind of based on reality, but it's really twisted. Right. It's a, it's a fun read. I really enjoyed where it's going. And the best part about these comics is that they've all been coming out really on time and really kept the momentum going. I've really enjoyed that. You know, that's uh, sometimes a downfall of creator-owned comics is you might get one or two issues out and then there's a lag. But, you know, these guys have really been pumping them out and keeping us interested and uh, yeah, got got to keep that train rolling, or you lose all of your passengers, and, and uh, that that's the death of most uh, independent comics. Right, and and the writing and, and art has been super, superb on both of them. It's it's great. I'm, I'm re- really enjoying those as well. Yeah, Fiona Staples. I mean, her backgrounds aren't great, but everything else is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and just you know the types of characters she's drawing. I mean, it's all based on alien worlds and stuff so it's like you know there's no real human looking characters there's a few but for the majority she's just constantly drawing different kinds of weird aliens and it's pretty cool it is well uh we should probably move on to some news uh actually first up we should uh talk about uh, fincast news which uh, we don't have nearly enough of i guess uh we've been picked up by uh image addiction which is an Image Comics news blog. Yeah, it's imageaddiction.net. We've joined their uh, podcast network, uh, so we'll be uh, rubbing shoulders with some other podcasts that have similar subject matter to Image Comics. Yeah, they, they have some real good podcasts that I've been listening to for a while. Um, the, the general Image Addiction podcast is kind of like just their podcast about what's going on at Image. They do, I think they do press releases on it, but they do, my favorite part of it is their reviews of comics. So they'll review all the different Image comics. And if you're like me, uh, Image is putting out so many new good comics that you don't have enough money to buy them all. So it's good to kind of get someone's kind of opinion on it and then, you know, go from there and be able to pick and choose, you know, based on some reviews, what, what you want to try to pick up. Are they pretty comprehensive? Talk about pretty much everything Image puts out. Yeah, yeah, they do a good job. I uh, I enjoy it. They they do Top Cow. They do you know uh, Spawn. They do you know the main Image. Uh, That's cool. I haven't had time to check them out, but I'm, it's definitely on my list. Yeah, and they also do a lot of uh, interviews with creators and stuff like that. Um, additionally, you have uh, the Process Podcast, which is a good podcast for. Uh, People who want to learn a little more about uh, the creative end of Image Comics and writing comics and stuff like that. They do a lot of interviews. And they also have the Evangeline um, podcast, which is set up by the the creators of uh, the, the, the the guys that are writing and, and drawing Evangeline, uh, which is a Rob Layfield comic. And I think that's kind of morphing into also like a – kind of like a Youngblood podcast because they had John Mallon on, I think that's how you say his last name, on the last episode, and they spent the whole episode talking about Youngblood, and I think they were saying that they they might try doing that monthly. 
So, so it's the actual it's the actual creators of the comic. So it's Correct. like commentary on the comic. Yeah, itself. it's kind of like a director's commentary, which is kind of cool. I always like that, you know. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Yeah. So, those are the the image addiction podcasts out there, and you know, it's cool that you know the FinCast is joining them, and I think you know we'll we'll add a good bit from the Eric Larson. Uh, side of the you know image universe so um i think it definitely feels like a good fit yeah i think it's gonna yeah i'm excited work out and they're a good bunch of guys uh, over there and um like i said and, and we fit in perfectly over there so it was a no-brainer well uh we've also got some eric larson news just a few things uh we got new covers for savage dragon 185 and supreme 68 mm-hmm uh, the Savage Dragon cover is uh, Dragon in a courtroom, and the uh, drawing style is done in, like a courtroom sketch, like you see on the TV uh, when they're talking about uh, major court cases. So pretty clearly, cl- it's pretty clear that the uh, the um, trial of Savage Dragon is going to be a major arc component to this next arc. Right. Um, one thing I did notice. Uh... Eric posted up the the image, I believe, on Twitter. It's on dragonfan.net, so if you want to check it out, go there, and I'm sure we'll have a link to it on our podcast website. But I don't know if it's just kind of him using an old cover mock-up, but the price on the cover says $350. If you remember, we discussed, uh, I think it was $184 solicitation showed the price at $399. So I don't know what's going on there. Um I'm thinking it's. Probably, I'm sure it's a mistake. We couldn't be that lucky. Yeah, I'm. You know, he already said at 399, unless the other one was a mistake. You know, but he never really. Piped yeah, we in. talked to him when that happened, though. He. Uh, right, he was on. He we interviewed him that week. Yeah, I don't know if he or didn't we? I, no, wait. I don't think he ever addressed that. So, it could go either way. We'll have to just stay tuned and see how it goes. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, the Supreme 68 cover is also out. Um, Eric posted that on his Twitter as well, and it's also on dragonfan.net. And Eric distra- described the cover, described it as the cover to Supreme 68 featuring the son of Chrome out for revenge. And I looked up this Chrome character on, I think, the Comic Vine website uh, database, and he was featured way back in Supreme number three through six. He's kind of got this uh, weird pointy mask with sharp teeth. He's, from what I've gathered and read, he's kind of like an alien warlord type guy. And I think I had like up to Supreme number five back in the early 90s. I just don't remember. Uh, yeah, I've got no idea who this guy is. Yeah. I did not read any of that. Right. So So I'm curious about how he... Eric will introduce him to us new new audience members. Yeah, I think he's gonna give him a brand new introduction. Like he said, he said it's son of Chrome. So, um, I doubt there's many people out there that remember back to you know 1992 or 93 for three issues of Supreme. You know. Well, I can't wait to find out right. because uh, the latest Supreme was. I'm definitely digging this book right now. Bit of a oddball bit of news. Um, apparently, the Freak Show Skateboard Company is putting out a a deck with uh, part of their Long Box series that features Savage Dragon. Which, when I found out about it, was like the weirdest bit of news I'd heard in a long time. 
it just feels like the sort of thing you would have seen back in the early 90s when Savage Dragon was, like, super hot. Yeah. And now here is 2012 and Savage Dragon on a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit weird. Um, if anyone's interested in checking it out, I think their website is uh, freakshowskateboards.com. Um, but I don't know who else is involved in this long box series. I'm assuming it's other comic book artists and maybe they just, you know, wanted to grab a premier comic book artist to kick it off. And Eric was just like, sure. It's not a new image on that box. Um, it's from, uh, the first issue from the back and blue arc. What's, what's that issue number? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but it's it's an image of Dragon busting some vicious circle goons' heads in in the bar in the freak outpost. So it's an existing image. It's it's not like you're gonna get a a new image or anything like that or an exclusive uh, drawing from Eric. Um, I know it did say that the skate decks are available signed by Larson though. So even if you don't skate, it might look good hanging up on your wall or something like that. But um, but yeah, like you said, it was a little bit of weird, a little bit of a weird news item. This episode, we are extremely excited to be here with professional comic book artist Corey Hampshire. Corey's professional portfolio encompasses over a decade of work illustrating comic books for Marvel, Image, Devil's Due, and Avatar Press. Corey's career highlights include inking G.I. Joe, including the G.I. Joe vs. Transformers miniseries. Illustrating comics from the Marvel Adventures line and inking Marvel titles such as Incredible Hulks, X-Men Forever, and Scar, Son of Hulk. Savage Dragon fans will remember him from his Thor backup in Savage Dragon 150. Corey's current work includes inking Marvel's Avengers Academy title, as well as penciling and inking the relaunch of Extreme Studios' Supreme from Image Comics. Thank you for joining us, Corey. How's it going, Jim? Oh, it's going pretty well. I actually have the uh, current issue of Supreme in my hand, so it's actually going super well. Well, how'd you get that? Uh, proprietary secret. You know somebody, right? You have somebody. Eric, Eric let us uh, have advanced copies um, so that we could do this. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I was thinking about, uh, since it comes out tomorrow, I was going to be able to talk about it or not. Oh, yeah. We, yeah we've, uh, we all got a chance to read it in anticipation for this interview. So Please. we are good to talk about it because that's what we really want to talk about is the latest issue as well as you know awesome. various other things. Sounds good to me. Let's start off with uh, talking about uh, briefly how you actually got into comics. Maybe even as like a kid. I, did it start as a kid or was it something later in life? Um, oh yeah, it, no, it started definitely as a kid. Uh, I got four comics, a four pack of Marvel comics on my first birthday from my parents. So, and I didn't get any other comics until I was like four or five years old, but I had those four comics from like the age one for, for years. So before I could even draw or anything, you know, my mind was always wrapped around these comics. So once I started to draw and pick up crayons and shit, I was always uh, drawing Spider-Man and Hulk, Fantastic Four. And then uh, just kept with it my whole life. That's all I wanted to do. Is, is that something? They set me on the path early. Do you Were your folks or was there someone in your family that were artists that kind of passed you know, this. Uh, no, not really. You know, my my uh, my grandpa drew, but uh, you know, he just did it kind of like in journals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just something that I got into young, and I just, you know, 
visually it was just so exciting yeah. that it's all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. And, I never had any uh, other delusions about being a fireman or anything like that as a kid. It was always, always drawing comics. That's awesome. And, and how, how did you actually start to break into the, to the field? Uh, I started going to conventions when I was in high school, like around 93 or 94, showing my stuff off. And um, I got a job doing some illustrations for a magazine, uh, like in 96, after I graduated. And then every couple of years, you know, I'd go to more conventions. I eventually got in with Avatar. A couple of years later, you know, I did something for Chaos, and then I got something with Devil's Do. I just kind of, you know, kept building up and showing my work around, and then... Uh, you, you you worked for Chaos. Was that towards the end before it? it yeah, it was, it was real close towards the end. It was. Uh, I worked for them the fall of 2001, and then I think by the spring of 2002 they were already folded up. I'm not taking any credit for that. <laughs> so, um, you so you said you know you're you probably you graduated in 1996, so you were probably around. 12 or 13 when when the image boom really started when everyone you know left marvel i would assume which is kind of close to my age i remember just being enthralled with you know all these creators yeah i got in i was in uh like eighth grade or seventh grade yeah. and they were all blowing up uh at marvel yeah uh jimmy was already i didn't know i didn't know for years he did anything with alpha flight i got into his work on uh Punisher uh, War Journal. Right, right, right. And I remember kids bringing the, the Wolverine issue, like issue five or issue six or something to school. And then Rob was just going on to Mutants. McFarlane had already been doing Amazing Spider-Man for a while. Right. Um, I think Eric was doing uh, uh, Marvel Comics Presents. I remember him doing uh, yeah. a few different series. Yep. He was... uh, so I got into all these guys, you know, right when they were starting to get big at the image or the Marvel level, I mean. Right, right, um, right. So I, I, I still, a lot of people think of them as, as the image guys, and they are because, you know, they created image, but I still think of them as before that. So that's when I came into their work. Exactly, yeah. It was a wild time in Marvel. I mean, you know, I remember like books, like series like The Extinction Agenda, and you had all these heavy hitters drawing. Yeah. It, it was uh, pretty yep. amazing. And then you go from, you know, McFarlane drawing Spider-Man, then right over to Eric Larson, and it was just like... It was incredible. It was a good time to, to get into comics, and I could see how a lot of you know kids then were just you know be, became influenced to start drawing comics and get into comics just by those wave of, that wave of uh, illustrators at that time. Right. It was really it really did feel like a, a like a movement almost. I remember on New Comic Day after school going to the local comic shop, and you know everybody we going for these same you know five or six books. Uh, and it was all the same guys, you know, it was Sylvester on, on Andy X-Men and then later Wolverine and everyone's just, you know, crowding all to these same books. So you kind of felt that it was something special was going on because it never felt like that before. Right. It still doesn't feel like that. Now it's all uh, about, you know, what the biggest event is. But back then it was all about the people working on the books. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, so you, uh, you say you started early in chaos and avatar and devils do, um, and then you moved. You got some work with Marvel. How did that come about? Oh, I got in contact with Marvel through the mail. Mm -hmm. I was sending them uh, samples, and uh, Mark Panacea, I think, is how you pronounce his name. They call him Panic over at Marvel. He's still <laughs> a, a big editor over there. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was my contact. He just had gotten hired back in at Marvel, 
and he was so he was handling things like submissions. This is probably going back to 2005, maybe. Right. And anyways, he liked my stuff enough that he actually sent me out uh, photocopies of uh, other artists' work, uh, like Joe Madera and uh, Mark Bagley, you know, a bunch of guys. He wanted to ink these for like samples, so they had like the current uh, Marvel artists mm-hmm. samples from me. And uh, it took about a year, and then he called me up and let me know that they had a, a spot for an inker on Marvel Adventure Spider-Man. And then I inked an issue, but the penciler uh, dropped out. I guess he couldn't handle the the, uh, the deadlines. And Mark knew that I had also done penciling work, so he actually let me finish up the, the four-issue art doing pencils and inks. So then I did, like, two, two or three years bouncing around with the Marvel Adventure titles doing pencils and inks before I started doing full-time inks for Marvel, which was like three years ago. Right, right. That's awesome. And how- so so you're, you're, pri- you're primarily an inker right now? Uh, well, for the last couple of years, yes, with Marvel. Uh, but, I mean, I do whatever. Up, up until a couple of years ago, every job I got, I got because I could do both jobs, and then it kind of turned into one of the other jobs. But, I mean, I, my time's pretty evenly split between Supreme and Avengers Academy. So, I mean, it's like two weeks of the month I'm inking, two weeks of the month I'm, I'm punching and inking stuff on Supreme. So, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm mostly an inker, but I guess, I just think of it as an artist. I don't know. Right, right. So how did you, um... It's hard, for, it's, hard for me, it's hard for me to separate the two. Yeah. I think of, like, inking as, like, a separate thing. And for me, inking is just finishing the drawing and ink. I'm still drawing. But I never thought about it as, like, two separate jobs like that. Right. Is there a, a definite, like, uh, a, a big pay difference between your penciling work, though, and, and just inking, I would assume? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the rates are a lot different. Right. I like my paychecks a lot better when I was penciling ink and Marvel Avengers titles than I do just inking titles. But uh, I can ink pretty fast. So when I was before Supreme, I was always inking. The last couple of years, I was inking uh, between 16 and 18 books a year. Wow. So... You know, the pay's not as good, but I, I can double up on the amount of work I can take on. Right, so right. It kind right. of evens itself out. Exactly. So how did you, um, were you a long-time reader of Savage Dragon? I know uh, you said, you know, you were into, like, the image books and stuff early on. Um, I'm just wondering where the connection oh, yeah. was and how, how Eric got, you know, I, I think uh, for readers or listeners that don't know, you, you did a short backup story in Savage Dragon 150, and that's where I first right. discovered your work. But how did you get to that point where, you know, you, you talked to Eric or met Eric and, and got involved in that? Well, I was always a fan of Eric back when he was doing Marvel stuff. And then, of course, with, with Savage Dragon. Um, he was actually, Savage Dragon was like the only book that throughout the years I kept buying. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I bought him for the guys that were working on the book. Right. So when everyone else did their own, something else, you know, I'd stay on for a couple of issues and I eventually dropped the book. But Savage Dragon was the one book and continues to be the one book that I still always pick up. Uh, so I've always been a fan, not just of him as an artist, but, you know, just his whole career, just doing what he wants to do, you know, telling his stories, having fun. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, really uh, what the money is for him. He just does it because he wants to do it. Right. That's the bottom line, which is, I think is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was like 2010, I think, or 2009. He was at Wizard World Chicago, and I was walking around and saw him sitting at a table. Uh, and my buddy said, just go talk to him because he's like, he knew that he was one of my idols. I just never talked to him before. So I approached him and asked about doing a backup story, because I know that he has a lot of artists do that. 
and he told me, you know, there's no pay in it, but if I wanted to do it, then send him some samples, and if he liked them, then we'd do something. And two days later, I sent him some samples, and then that story was a go. He said, we'll do something uh, for Savage Dragon 150, but this was like a year before it came out. Right. So it took a few months before I actually did it, but I got in contact with him pretty early, and I just kept touching base with him like once a month just so he remembered who I was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So finally, uh, the following spring, when he was like putting the backup stories together, I happened to, to email him right at the time that he was, you know, thinking about something, and so he mailed me over uh, a couple paragraphs describing like a six-issue or a six-page story, and then uh, I asked off of a half of an issue of a book I was inking for Marvel at the time, so I could take like a week and do that Thor story. Yeah, and uh, and then from that Thor story, you know, eventually came the Supreme thing too. So it's all kind of connected. Yeah, and somewhere in between there, I know that we had talked or we had interviewed you for the dragon fan website and we had also talked to Eric and there was some kind of Hercules quasi project. Right. After the uh, Thor story, um, I told him that, you know, if he ever want to do another backup, I'm definitely down to doing it. And he suggested doing uh, a real book that way I could get paid. So I was like, so yeah. Oh, sounds good to me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, you know, a couple months later, that turned into Hercules or Heracles. Uh, and then after I did like the first 10 pages, he scripted like the first 10 pages. Uh-huh. And then like, it took me like two months to pencil them because I was still inking other stuff for Marvel. Right. And then that's right around the time that Image United and a bunch of other things were coming out. Yeah. So I think everyone just got kind of too busy with their own things. And then when we came back to it a couple months later, no one was really hot on it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, I emailed him Asking, you know, did he still want to do something with this? Or did he want to do something at all? And that's when he had the idea about Supreme. Wow, it's pretty awesome. Put it probably this is like uh, this is like Thanksgiving ish, 2010 is when I first heard about Supreme. Yeah, and I know on your Facebook page, I think you actually posted some of the pencil pages of, of the Heracles uh, comic, right? right? They looked pretty neat right. from what yeah. I saw. It's it's kind of a cool, you know, what if kind of thing, right? Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get around to eventually using them for something. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to do them and, and put them in the back of a Savage Dragon issue. I mean, that's good enough for me. Right. And we, and we want to read it. <laughs> yeah. I want to read it, too. I don't remember what it was, the story. I just know the pictures. <laughs> right, right, right. But it, it's kind of... I don't know how Supreme works. I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what anyone's going to be saying until... Uh, yeah, that's right. That, Eric does his scripting after the art's done. Was that the case when he, you guys did Thor as well? Um, I think so, but it was so new to me that I don't really remember how he worked, but for Supreme, that's exactly how it is. You know, I'm just going, I'm going by his layouts. I don't read his, I don't have a script. I don't have anything to read. That's amazing. So I'm making out the story. It, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's awesome. Now at first it was weird because I got caught in situations where I was drawing the wrong characters and spots because I just couldn't tell the difference. Right. And I didn't know what the story, I didn't know what the exact story was. I mean, I, I can tell what's going on, but I don't know, you know. Some of the little intricacies. Well, how do you, uh, how do you without there being a script? How do you know how to make like a facial expression of someone's like, you know, yelling or? Happy? Uh, well, sometimes they'll scribble in a facial expression, so those are usually pretty easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, they'll actually on certain pages, they'll actually scribble in the dialogue right. for a couple panels. We should back up a little bit for listeners that might not understand, but I mean, can the dynamic here is 
is Eric is kind of got these real rough layouts, right? Can you can I, can you kind right. of explain what you're receiving from Eric for Supreme for those who might not know? Because I think there's a lot of confusion of people who don't really know who's actually pen. They they think it might be Eric that's actually penciling when when it's really his rough layouts and you're doing the penciling and inking. Yeah, I think what Eric sends me, he can he he inks that for Savage Dragon. Mm-hmm. So technically, you can call those, these pages his pencils because that's all he pencils for himself if he was inking himself. Oh, really? Uh, okay. But but yeah, I, I think I mean sometimes they're they're, they're really loose. But I think stuff online that he posts like his pencils and then his inks and his pencils are just scribbles. Right. So I mean he does a lot of the work you know in his inks. So these can kind of be called pencils, but what I'm actually doing is. Uh, I, well, the first issue was really scribbly. It was, uh, and there were hardly any faces in that one. Mm-hmm. So I just light boxed, uh, basically just like placement for the figures. Right. I, did, I kind of saw all the, all the panels of the right size that he wanted. And then I just kind of light boxed loosely, uh, figure placement. And if there's like a facial expression or something. And then, and then after that, then I, I put his layout to the side and then I just draw my own style on top of that. And then I ink it. I, I know on your Facebook you've also shown you know Eric's real rough layouts versus your right. Titan pencils and inks. It, it might be nice if if possible to, to get a few of those samples to post up on the, the podcast page so some of the listeners can actually see what we're talking about. But um, it is amazing. To yeah, see. we'll have to. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to do that. There's, I, I have uh, scans of uh, well for that for the first issue sixty three. Well, we might as well do the, the the new issue, right? Sixty five. He's one of those pages. Mm-hmm. I think th- I'm talking. Yeah, the, like the the first page of all the Supremes on there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That one's already online, I think, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some stuff. I'll send you some stuff. How long does it take you to put up a, a podcast? Uh, I mean, it, well, in this particular case, we're probably not going to put it up until next week uh, because we got to okay. record another section. But it'll, yeah, we got some time. Okay, so you have time for me to get you something and post it up. And I'll give you some notes to go with it, too. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think it would be good for the listeners to kind of see what we're talking about if, if they don't, if they haven't right. seen it already. I don't, I don't think everyone's connected to your Facebook page, and you probably don't want everyone on your Facebook page. but Yeah, I keep it kind of mostly for business and stuff anyway, so yeah. that's okay. So, yeah, so sorry not to break that up. but yes, I mean, there's definitely when you see his layouts. I can show you my layouts, pencils, and the inks. But there's definitely spots where I hook right in with what he's doing because I have a lot of him in my style to begin with just because I've been a fan of his work for so long. But, you know, it's kind of easier for me to just draw my own Larson influence rather than try to mimic the lines he's putting down because there's nothing that he can put down that I can tackle the way he would that would look better than what he's doing in Savage Dragon. So for me, it made sense to kind of, you know, put my style on top of everything. That way it's it's a pure, you know, experience rather than me not living up to, to – previous you know larson art right 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 so and then you'll see that there's some spots where like i, I kind of you know go in a different direction but i never change the storytelling and i you know i sometimes i'll tweak like a face well I, I do a lot of stuff with the faces and stuff but and every once in a while like I'll, I'll change the way someone's like positioned but it's very rare i just i try to stick with with all his positions his storytelling and then just uh, put my stuff on top of it right so how long does it take you to complete an issue once you get his layouts? Uh, complete an issue kind of takes long because I'm doing other work. Yeah. But, but, you know, hours on a page, you know, it only takes like maybe two or three hours of pencils and then maybe like four hours of inks. 
mm-hmm. page, and I'm, he's probably putting in, I, I don't know exactly, but I'm guessing, you know, like 20 or 30 minutes a page in his layouts, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you... so I think from start to finish, I think from start to finish, each page is like around eight hours. Wow. Yeah. So it's about a day a page, which makes for a tight schedule if you're going monthly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, it's it's not too bad. I'm used to working, you know, two inking gigs. Right. So I'm used to doing a lot of uh, all-nighters and, and stuff. So, wow. Um, yeah, and it, and it kind of takes me longer to ink than it does the pencil anyways. Right. So, and where, so 65 comes out tomorrow. At this point, how many issues do you have? Are you ahead of the game or are you? I'm working on uh, 67 right now. Cool. So we're a little ahead. We're not, you know, as far as we'd like to be. Right. Or I'd like to be. But, I mean, that's, I think that's, you know, in part because we're both working on multiple books. Right, right. I mean, if, it's, if we were treating this like a full book, you'd probably be four or five issues up right now. Mm-hmm. But 67 is bad. And I think 66 already is, is colored and loaded already. Mm-hmm. So by the time that comes out, I'll probably be halfway through 68, I'm hoping. I don't have any Avengers Academy issues to do in July. I'm hoping to double up that month on Supreme. Yeah, get him out the door. How yeah. uh, how involved is is Rob Liefeld in the process? I mean, I know with the other books he doesn't seem to be very involved and doesn't seem very on this one. Or uh, I I'm, I got hired in for this, you know, through Eric. Eric brought me on, so I don't have any. You know, I talk to Rob every once in a while, you know, in an email or something. Yeah, but I don't really have any uh, uh direct contact. You know, connection contact with them, you know, as far as Supreme. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he probably, you know, proofreads everything or oversees everything at the last second. Not last second, but, you know, before it goes to press. Right. Just to, to see it or if he had any problems with it. But, I'm, you know, maybe he's, has, he's more involved with Eric. I don't know. Right, right, right. Are, uh, are, you, read, are you reading any of the other Extreme Relaunch titles yourself? Um, yeah, I, I started. I've, I've, I have a load of comics at the comic shop, but I have the first profit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just picked up the, the Young Bud. I think that was last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple others. What else? Uh, Blood Strike. Have you? Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, like I'm like I'm like three or four issues back and all that stuff. Right. But uh, you know, it, it definitely looks interesting. I can't read to get the rest of my profits. Yeah, profits amazing. They're all all the Profit. new books, honestly, from Extreme have been amazing. Um, my yeah. favorites, you know, besides Supreme's Profit and Glory. And he, actually, Blood Strike's been pretty cool, too. Real fun superhero ride. But Yeah, yeah that's written by uh, Tim Seeley. I worked with Tim Seeley uh, over for Devil's Do. Right, He's a yeah. fun guy. Didn't you, didn't you ink the Love Bunny and Mr. Hell, the one with Savage Dragon in it? Yeah, I did. That was one of the first things I did for them. Yeah, I remember that. But, um, yeah, it's a horrible looking book. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to look at some of that old stuff, but it, it was cool. Yeah, but I, think... I remember thinking how cool it was that I remember thinking how cool it was that he got Eric to to let us use the the character. And, and that was almost that's probably about ten years ago, almost at this point, right? That's probably I think it's probably like two thousand three. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, you know, ten years ago, a lot changes. So, um. But do you talk to any of the other artists on the other extreme titles, or are you friendly with them? Or um, I know some of them huh. a little bit. 
think, well, of course, I, I know Tim Sillian. I don't talk to him too much anymore. Uh, I talk to John Malin every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the, the artist on Youngblood. Youngblood, yeah. I was actually listening to uh, the Image Addiction podcast that he was on, and I guess, you know, he, he was talking about the first issue of Youngblood of the relaunch that he was doing, and he was cracking me up because he's like so harsh on his own work. Like, I guess he's been sitting and staring at this issue for like a year now, whereas, you know, the, the yeah, we're we're out there buying the stuff when it comes out. But he, you know, he's been working on it for so long that I guess he was finding all these errors or just wasn't happy with some of the way the stuff turned out. But he was being way too harsh on himself on on the podcast. But he seemed like a character. He showed me the art. He showed me the art for his second issue, like back in the fall, uh-huh. like right as they made the announcement. So he's been working on this stuff for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, the, the second issue is, is crazy good. Uh, I think it's. I don't think he used an inker on the the first issue. Mm-hmm. He tried to digital digital ink everything, mm-hmm. and then I think it was the second issue that he inks. Uh, there's actually real inks now, so it's a lot. It's, it's more bolder, and the art's not as grainy. But uh, from what I remember, that it, the second issue was. Uh, Pretty wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, going back to just Supreme, ha- have you read the entire Alan Moore, any of the Alan Moore run, or any of the older stuff? I, I know, like, again, going back, you were into Supreme, I, yeah. to Image back in the day. I, I had the first, uh, like, 10 or 12 issues of Supreme when they first when it first came out. The old uh, Brian Murray issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I didn't have any. Then uh, skip forward, and then I had some of the later Supreme Run uh, by Al Moore. Just a couple issues. It was spotty. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I thought, you know, this is years later. I was kind of out of comics, but I still, you know, saw the same character, saw Al Moore's name and how the his name on it. Right. And then, uh, but once I got, once I found out that this is what Eric was planning on, then a buddy of mine. Uh, had all the comics on on a disc, so he uh, he gave me the disc. So, oh, that's good. so yeah, you know, gone back through and read the whole Alan Moore run and everything. I I think it's kind of odd that you know Lightfield, and I don't know, you know, maybe there's some kind of logistics issue, but you would think that they would have he would had like the collections ready to go before the relaunch, so that you know, hey, if you like this and the way this is going, here's you know, Alan Moore's run right here for you know his two or three volumes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know uh, what the, you know, that has nothing to do with with me. That's all, uh, right, you know, right. Rob. Right. So I don't know if there's reasons for it not coming out, or if they're they're going to put it out, or I don't know if they can put it out. I have no idea, you know, what's going on with that. I've heard a lot of people, you know, ask about, you know, how can they get the older issues because mm-hmm. they were interested in the new ones, but they wanted, you know, to retell the backstory. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Eric gets that question a lot too. Yeah, it's it's weird to me, but hey, yeah, I don't know. Talking about uh, Alan Alan Moore, and you know, you know, he started off with the first issue of the relaunch was the Alan Moore written issue, and I know it got a lot of hype. Did you notice much of uh, a change or a drop off when Alan left, and you know, or you know, a change in reader reviews, or do people seem from what you've talked to them, are they happy with it, or? Um, I heard, you know, good things about it. I don't, I don't really, I think a lot of people picked up the first issue because they're just, uh, you know, more fans and they wanted to complete their run or they just want something without more mm-hmm. uh, name on it. But once we, I know 
no one didn't pick it up for that reason. You know, they just picked it up because it was, you know, a new book, and it just happened to be the, the last script that Helmore wrote was for the art launch issue. Yeah. That was just, you know, something like extra. They didn't pick it up for that reason. So, right. I don't know. I'm sure you can ask different people different questions like that. You know, someone that picked it up just for Moore. you know, I don't know if a lot of people even picked up the second issue. Right. It, it, I, I know the sales dropped off, you know, after the first issue. And the only thing I can think of is that it was just, you know, a lot of more fans. Because it, it's like it ends on a cliffhanger. So you'd think you'd want the answer, you know, yeah, yeah. to that question. Well, that that's and, on uh, that's on comic book retailers making that decision. Yeah, and you're that's right. That's unfortunate. Right. Because they made that decision so, two months before the, fir- the 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 relaunch issue came out, right? And that's that's the so, but yes, I, I've heard you know everyone's been positive that I've heard. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple things said about you know the art that I I agree with. Uh, one of the critiques was uh, that they felt the beginning of issue 63 kind of looked one way, and then it went into like a different style towards the end, mm-hmm. and. I can see that myself because uh, when I started working on Supreme, Eric sent me like the layouts for the first eight pages when we realized we were going to do like a preview book. And then like a month later, he sent me another 10 pages, but it was like a month after he sent me those, I was actually able to work on it. So it was like, there were like big gaps uh, between uh, pages that I was working on for issue 63. So I can see the difference in certain pages. So, I mean, there's certain things that are said like that, but I'm kind of surprised that someone picked up on. Yeah. Uh, but you know, besides that, I think everything else has been pretty positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Eric's, you know, the supreme of all the extreme books is the, the one that you know pretty much follows closely to what came before it. And uh, right. I don't know if that's a deterrent for people that want to start fresh, or if that adds more readers because they like the idea. You know, it could go either way. But uh, you know, the Alan Moore issue made it pretty easy to kind of jump in. I had no prior knowledge of the Alan Moore Supreme before that issue. And, Me neither. Uh, you know, unfortunately I can't go back and read it because it's not available, you know, to purchase, but I would if it was, but I, I did jump right into it. I thought it was pretty easy. It it did it's it's a lot of text and, you know, it did take me two times around to go through it and read it, but you know, that yeah. that makes it fun too and it makes the you know it, it, it's nice that it takes more than five minutes to read a comic book, you know. But there's oh yeah, when I got Eric sent me uh, Alan Moore's script with the layouts for that, and I read it, and you know my head was hurting after three pages. I mean he just he repeats. I mean I you know I'm not I'm who am I to ever criticize anything Alan Moore writes, but he does repeat himself yeah. a lot. Yeah. So you're I, like the same things are just being said over and over and over in every panel. And it's just, you know, and he's asked, he asks for a lot uh, of his artists, you know, from different, you yeah. know, he wants a specific building to be seen in the background. He wants a specific face and someone in the crowd walking in the foreground. He, he, he wants he wants the whole panel to be, you know, he directs it, you know, completely. Yeah, it's like, no, so, I mean, no. As, art. I was, as I was reading it, I was, you know, I was, I was like, thank God that, you know, Eric's actually laying this issue out because I don't think I could handle it. I don't, I wouldn't, I would screw it all up. Well, we, it's, just, it's just like, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be able to pick up part. What are the most important elements? Because everything is treated, you know, so importantly. Yeah, we had talked to Eric on a previous uh, FinCast episode about that, and he was just like spent after drawing this issue. He was, he is like, uh, he said it was just an incredible amount of work. Yeah, and I saw the layouts, and it looks like, I mean, he really, you know, he, he's, you know, he's, like his hands are like rotating, just getting in the motion. 
sketching something, and he would sketch a figure on that first issue like 20 times before he had to figure where he wanted it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, you know, the angle you know, for, for whatever was in the script. Right. And uh, so, you know, so those were easy for me to like boxes. There wasn't really any faces, but there was a lot of work trying to get the face to be, you know, the way he wanted. Right. And it's just because Alan Moore was asking for so many different things that, you know, I've worked from a bunch of people's scripts for Marvel and stuff, and, you know, it's, you know, I get like one sentence or two sentences, you know, per panel, and Alan Moore is like three paragraphs. Yeah, yeah. And you're coming into this, you know, new to drawing Supreme, and you got to kind of like cut your teeth on Supreme drawing all these intense panels and a bajillion characters and different Daxes and Supremes. I give you credit, man. It's uh, it's pretty amazing, you know. Supreme is, you know, it's 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 a book about Supreme, but really it's more like a team book. There's there's so many different characters, you know. And we've only the relaunch. We're only on the third, you know, issue, and we're just introduced to like a billion characters. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot to take in, and there was there was a couple of mistakes that way too, where. Uh, Eric would would scribble a, a costume down in one of his layouts, and I draw it in, and then, you know, the next issue or later in the same issue, the person has different boots than what we drew in the first part of the book. <laughs> so like, there's certain times where like Supreme's costume didn't match up because we're just you know there's so many different costumes. Supreme's had so many different costumes himself. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, little things we trying to get the, the looks right. I'm glad he killed most of the people off. So not to worry about the way they look or, or different costumes yeah, and shit. I mean, yeah, because you got, you know, four or five different Supremes in the book right now that you have to make sure you keep them looking just at least a little bit different so we can, as a reader, tell who's who. Right. Yeah, that's something that I think is pretty awesome was that he wanted the, uh, the well, they call him the Mean Supreme or Dick Supreme, but we were just calling him uh, Rob Supreme yeah. and More Supreme. But, you know, that he wanted Rob Supreme to look, you know, kind of on metal. He wanted to look like, you know, the old uh, Rob Liefeld Supreme. Yeah, yeah. He, he, does look, was, he does look a bit more rendered than everybody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was, you know, like I said, I was a, I was a, a huge Rob fan, you know, back when all those guys were blowing up at Marvel. So I can, you know, harken back to some of that stuff. And, and it, it's fun to kind of pull on my Liefeld influences and, and make those, you know, extra intense faces. Yeah. And, uh a lot of those uh, uh, squiggly lines. I mean, that's a lot of fun. And it's cool because I get to do it for a reason. Right, you know, it's right. Because it's, it's required before this book. He's got so, that. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. The trademark, like, uh, Liefeld eyebrows or the, the... Right, oh, yeah. The hatching on the forehead, like the curved hatching. Yep. Oh, man, I'm having, I'm having a blast doing that. Yeah, it is cool. And it's, it's noticeable and it's kind of a cool little nod back, you know? Yeah, I think it, it really comes together. So, you know, it takes a while trying to figure out someone else's kind of look to keep consistent. Like, try to make it look like the Lifehold Supreme from different angles. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, issue 65, because I don't, he was only in a couple pages for 64. But I think on issue 65, you can see that, you know, his face is really taking form over the couple of pages. And it all has, like, that hint of Lifehold. And there's some pages where he's, like, really intense. And mm-hmm. I, thought, I think it, you know, and then the other ones, of course, is the uh, the uh, more supreme. And Eric wanted him to have like you know a little smoother. Uh, I can't I'm I can't pull off a Chris Sprouse. Right. Uh, I mean he's he's like crazy because he's like good in ways that I'll never be. He's just <laughs> it's a different you know part of his brain that he uses. But so but I'm still kind of trying to go in there making sure that 
his face is a little bit smoother and a little bit longer. Yeah, a little more classic. His hair is a little bit more. Right. Yeah, it comes off though. So, it's it's well done. Um, and the thing I like about the Supreme book is like, you know, well, let's just start by saying a lot of people jump into this being like, oh, you know, a return to mean Supreme. I don't really want to see that, but they're not giving the book a chance and seeing that it's more like, I think how Eric put it, it's like, you know, general Ross chasing the Hulk uh, where you have the, the team of powerless Supremes chasing after mean Supreme, which is a pretty cool. Right. Yeah. That's, I think a lot of people got the impression that he was killing off everything previously that Moore did, and just bringing the old version of Supreme back. And that's that's not what he did at all. He you know, he he combined them. He brought, you know, he th- I thought it was so cool that his his brainchild, his idea was to make it so that there actually are two different versions. Right. You know, because up up until that, it was never like that. It was never talked about. He just always assumed that the Alan Moore Supreme was the old Supreme, just a different take on the character. Right. Right. Eric had it so it separated the two, and that just seems, you know, that's just ingenious, I think. Uh, but he wasn't, he didn't kill them all off. I think, you know, that rumor kind of went around for a long time before, you know, last issue came out and he found out that some people actually did survive. Right, right. So I think I think that kind of killed, maybe killed some people's interest, or maybe some of the, the more fans who had no, you know, interest going along with this new character, which is the old Liefeld version. Right. As opposed to the characters that, that they read about. Right, which is unfortunate because they're still very much part of the book. Exactly, and they're like half the book. And, and it is a cool little dynamic. I like like how he's got the kind of anamorphic characters, and it kind of is like almost like a nod too to like the old like uh, Captain Marvel comics, where you got like a lion character or a mouse guy kind of running around with a bunch of like normal looking humans, and it kind of makes it more like, hey, it's a comic book. Anything goes. And that's a lot of what I like yeah, about it. Yeah, it just, makes, it just makes it more absurd. I, that's why I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm drawing, I'm working on a book that has a guy that has a, a character that looks like Mickey Mouse, a guy with a lion head, and a duck. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd work on a book that has, you know, those things in it. <laughs> and, and in classic Eric Larson tradition, he takes these classic ideas of a cartoon character and an anthropomorphic character, and then he, then he puts a how would a person deal with this in real life? Spin on it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it's, it's absurd and it's it's amazing. It's like you know, the thing about Supreme, it's like there's so many different things going on. You know, it's a violent book, but you know, there's a lot of drama involved with these characters. And then you got you know, the crazy stuff, and you got the you know, you got the the stuff that pulls on from the Larson universe, like this issue, you know, uh, Super Patriot has played the pivotal part since Simmons Supreme were part of the Allies together I mean, and then you know you know what's coming up you, i'm sure you've seen the, the uh, preview covers so i mean it's there's, there's just so many different characters and so many things that can be pulled from you know past image incarnations of these characters as well as you know current uh characters like uh super patriot and omni man and you know just a bunch of stuff it's i'm just surprised that uh I mean, this is the kind of book that I'd be, you know, I was freaking out about when I found out about it. Right, right. It's a, uh, you know, Larson on Life of Supreme. I mean, that's just that's just craziness. Yeah, or it just that's kind of that's the thing that that's the thing like ten years ago that just blow your mind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably because ten years ago they weren't even talking to each other for a while. Right. But um, just even Eric on any other comic you know especially a creator own type comic besides savage dragon where he can just kind of run wild on something new is is pretty cool right 
And uh, I think your style complements his style really well. Um, you know, it's 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 a great. You know, you still like I can see in his layouts. I can still see his stuff kind of coming through. But you yeah. you kind of give it your own flavor too, and it's and it works really well. And I think that's you know reading all the reviews for it. I think that's one of the major things that people have said is that your styles have really really mesh well together. Um, yeah, it's cool. I think every issue our styles hook in, you know, more completely. Uh, it, there were some like you know weird spots, you know, getting up to this point, and there still are some weird spots. But it's, uh, I think it's, you know, I think the art's a lot tighter for this third issue, or issue sixty-five, than the previous two. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's cool because I think, like you said, you know, there's certain things that you just know are totally Larson. Mm-hmm. You know, certain shots with the fist coming forward, or yeah. the guy, uh, you know, different angles that he just he just screams Larson, even if like the details are like my details. It hits you as a Larson book, but the details are just a little bit different, you know. Yeah, Larson. And that's the kind of like that's the kind of blend that I wanted to do. I wanted I wanted to feel like a Larson comic, even if the details didn't look like a Larson, because I can't pull off, you know, the way he would ink himself. Yeah. I, you know, if I tried to do it that way, then it'd just be a poor imitation. Well, and I don't I don't so, think but, that necessarily. I know I don't want to see that. I mean, I, I get that every month from Savage Dragon. I want to see a new take. I like, you know, like. Savage Dragon 100 when it came out with all those backup stories with a, a different artist inking Larson. I thought that was fantastic. Right. You know? that's, right. that's what I want to see. Yeah, me too. You know, I I, uh, yeah. I enjoy it. Like, like I enjoy seeing Kirby's stuff inked by different inkers. You know, each inker brings something different to the table. Um, right. Again, in your case, you're well, doing I, more pencils and inks, but, you know. It, right. It'd be different if I was working from, uh, you know, tighter pencils. And I've already let Eric know that, you know, post-Supreme, if he ever wants to do something, whether we work in this way or me actually working over his, you know, fuller pencils, I'm always down for that. I would love to, like, ink his stuff, you know, straight up. And that wasn't really what the job was offered to me for Supreme. Yeah. I was always supposed to be working over his layouts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if there's something where, uh, you know, he'd do a little bit more fuller pencils, so, you know, it, it would be his lines that I'm translating instead of adding my own. Right. I'm always down for that, too. Right, right. Um, are you, are you throwing in any little Easter eggs on your own end that aren't in like the layouts? I know, like, I think it was on 63. I seen, you know, in the comic book shop, there were a lot of comics where you had like, I noticed one for sure. was like the Herrick, the Heracles comic, which I thought that was probably, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty subtle stuff. I don't, you know, I'm not go crazy with anything. Yeah. You know, like comics on the on the wall is you know that you know it's not really an Easter egg. I mean, it kind of belongs there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like true. you know people hide things and it's like so obvious or like it's so out of place. Yeah. So you know, there's like just little things like in the comic shop. There's a callback scene in issue 66 coming up from the same comic shop, uh-huh. and it's almost like the same. It's almost like the same page, only like different characters. But I got to go back in again and do a bunch of different comics. That's so uh, that was pretty cool. Um, there have been a couple spots where, like, I've put in people, but, like, in the, like, so, like, so tiny, like, not even, like, a, a pinky nail. Yeah. But I know that they're, like, you know, care people I know, like, real-life people. They don't know never who they are, but, uh, I, I do, like, put in stuff like that as people in the crowd. Yeah, I get a kick out of that. I think, uh, Ryan Otley does that a lot with Invincible. He'll put in, like, other artists or something like that. Right. I mean, the, the the most obvious one is probably that last splash page with all the different Daxes coming through the portal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. On Eric's, see, on Eric's layout, 
he did a couple of these, but he didn't. Uh, he did. Uh, let me think. Like a Mr. Fantastic one. Yeah, that's uh, four. Or... And then, then I think he did a a Wolverine or a Thor or somebody like that. And then for some reason, I went in there and I added like thirty more. <laughs> yeah, you got like. I was like, oh, that's a cool. That's a yeah. So I didn't really think it was going to be you know so obvious. But when you're working on a big page, you, you find a lot of little spots to, to put things. And then when you see it shrunk down, like the focus, you, you see every single one. It's just so obvious. And then when I saw the colors from Steve, it's like he colored them exactly the way that the, the Marvel characters are colored. So it wasn't so much an Easter egg as it was I just, you know, served half of the Marvel Universe and put them in Supreme. That's amazing. That's, that's got to be a crazy job for uh, Steve Olaf to color, you know, especially the, the issues with, like, the bajillion Daxes and Supremes. Yeah, I think he's happy there until everybody off, too. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And I, I noticed... Uh, when we did the... Go ahead, sorry. No, he does, he does a great job with all this, the, the fine details. I mean, he, uh, he's an amazing colorist. I mean, for as cool as it is to work with Eric, which is like a, you know, a dream come true, to have, on top of that, have Steve Olaf be the colorist. I mean, it's just... Rob Liefeld Supreme, you know, with the first issue being Alan Moore script, it's just an insane uh, stack of dominoes that fell. Right, right. So just I mean, stuff is uh, just to talk about talk about the newest uh, Supreme issue, which um, is out this week. Which by the time we get this out, um, is probably be out for a week already. Um, yeah, it comes out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So by the time our FinCast uh, episode airs, it'll probably be a week from now. But uh, there's a lot going okay. on, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, you open up, like we talked about that splash page with all the different uh, Supremes out there. Who's your, uh, up to this point, who's your favorite Supreme character, uh, hero or villain, to draw? Oh, I'm having a lot of fun, like I said before, on the on the life version of Supreme just because I get to pull on some old influences. Yeah. I'm having a blast, you know, doing uh, Squeak and uh, and Silver Age Supreme with the lion head. And, I mean, that's just stuff that I would never normally, you know, draw, yeah, you know, on yeah. a almost daily basis. So it's cool that, you know, over the pages I'm starting to, you know, get the feel for, you know, how their faces move and work right. from different angles. Hey. Um, so those are all. And, of course, I love drawing... Uh, uh, Darius Duck was, was a good one. <laughs> so you've got to be happy uh, that he survived. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can talk about that now, right? Yeah, he's in this issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a fun one, and I think every time I draw, he gets a little bit better. He was kind of rough looking at first, but he's a fun one to draw. I think um, um, Eric cracks me up with his. I'm sure he put this in his layouts, but he always puts a little bit of like cheesecake in it, where he has like the African American Supreme, kind of in like some funny positions, like bent over or whatever. They're like ass in the air. Or something oh yeah, like that. it's like uh, typical Eric. Yeah, I think she's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that that page is almost straight up what Eric laid out. Yeah, I you know I had some surface details, but there was very little for me to do on that one. Uh, I just, you know, kind of tightened up some of the lines. So that whole, uh, that whole, uh, butt shot you're talking about, 100% <laughs> Larson there. She's a great character. She reminds me of, like, the 70s, like, Miss Marvel. Yeah. 
Yes, he's a fun one to draw. I love doing I love, love doing stuff with texture. Yeah. You can notice like when you see things like 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 her her afro or on the the next page like the uh, the moon. Yeah. Uh, all the the texture and craters. You know that's the kind of stuff that that's the the ink in me that gets off on doing all those little texture. Yeah, that's cool. It is really cool. And uh, just uh, you know, talking about that page with the moon, you get that like Sprouse version uh, Supreme on on that panel, and then if you compare it to like the Lifefield Rob Supreme that shows up a couple pages later, you can see such a difference in the way that you pencil right. ink that, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the kind of I mean, it's, the more I do it, the more, you know, you can see the difference between the two of them. Mm. Uh, but, you know, yeah, the Ralph Supreme has the more dramatic Widow's Peak. And, uh, I mean, even in the issue 66 and that's already done, uh, a more Supreme looks, you know, even more different, just, you know, more smooth. And it's just, uh, it's cool to be drawing different, different versions of the same character. So I really get to mess around. You know, even their body types is a little bit different. Yeah. Is is the mean Rob Supreme supposed to be an older Supreme? Um, I, I'm I'm not really sure. Yeah. I always thought that Supreme was pretty old to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and but the way Sprouse drew him, you know, he he looked young and, and yeah, he looks like you a know, full of vigor. It's just he just had white hair. Yeah, he looks like a 27 year old kind of Superman, whereas like. The right. Rob Liefeld Supreme always. Oh, I thought, I mean, at least when I first started collecting it back in the '90s, he was supposed to be just kind of like the old grizzled Superman. Right. Um, yeah, I think of him as kind of like this, you know, uh, kind of more Clint Eastwoodish, you know, massively huge and angry, and then, uh, but then the Amor is still kind of more like this Superman, just the more you know, late late twenties, early thirties. Kind of character, right, right. I I did love, um, and I'm assuming this is Eric's layouts, but the battle, although it being brief, but between Super Patriot and uh, Supreme, really kind of harks back to like the early battles between Savage Dragon and Super Patriot. Like I'm talking about the one shot where uh, Super Patriot's shooting a gun out of his foot, which he hardly ever does. Yeah. And it's got that yeah, shading. Yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, it's got the shading where you know you can just see his goggles and uh, the ponytail. Yes, yep. And that's kind of like a callback to me to the the earlier issues of Savage Dragon, which I thought you know uh, Super Patriot came off as such a badass, and you know I I, I really enjoyed that panel. I thought it was pretty cool. Oh yeah, that panel was awesome. Uh, you know, I got the same feeling when I got his layouts, and and I saw the way he had that sketch in there. So it's cool to, for me to hook up and, and sync in with certain things, like you said, you know, because I recognize it as being, you know, an old school shot too. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that, like I said, like his character Super Patriot off because you do things like that where the goggles could be seen in, in the black or in the shadow. Yeah, yeah. And with, you know, with the million with the million uh, uh, bullet shells, you know, off to the side and everything. Yeah. So I mean, it, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's what happens like years later when you know. Everybody's like moved far on. I'm gonna look back at this and realize how friggin' awesome it was that I actually got to work, you know, with Eric Larson and actually do panels like the one we're talking about, where it's like it's it, that's one of those shots that's just pure 100% Larson. Yeah, stuff you were looking at probably when you were 13 years old, you know. And, oh yeah. And now you're uh, 
penciling over it. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it took it took a long time to get to this point from you know being a kid trying to get going. So it seems kind of natural now. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm sure that there's going to come a time you know when it's like I'm going to you know just be thinking and be like, wow, I actually got to work you know with these people on this book and it's it's going to be pretty powerful. You know, right now it's still, you know, it's my presence. So, you know, you just work, you just get it done, you do what you got to do. Right, right. But, you know, when I have a chance to think about it, when you have a chance to think about it, it's going to, it's just one of those things that's just going to seem so much cooler as time goes on. It's it's not going to get any less cool. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think of it as the same way as probably when Larson was coming up in the business and being able to, you know, work on Thor with Stan Lee or something like that, you know, it's right. probably the same kind of deal. But, um, but yeah, but the, the new, the new issue of Supreme, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it's, it's a really fun issue. The book's catching its stride. Um, you know, for me working on this issue, issue 65 is the one that kind of really felt like our first issue, you know, with the 63 being on more script, and 64, even though that was the first one Eric wrote, it was just like an answer to, you know, the, the big cliffhanger that Al Moore left things on. This is like the one where it really feels like now you know where the story's going and these characters go in different directions. You know, this is the one that I think is the one that feels most to me like the first issue yeah, of our run. Yeah, it's like you almost got your kind of origin story out of the way. You know where you're, you stand and now the adventures can begin, you know? Exactly, exactly. Cool. So I know you're uh, you're pressed for time. You got a lot of work going on. You have your we talked prior to this, and you're inking a bunch of pages for Avengers Academy. So uh, I just wanted to ask you a few more questions before we wrapped up. And I, I don't know if Jim had any additional questions and wanted to get in, but okay. No, I uh, no, actually, uh, Craig, you asked the main question I was going to ask, uh, which character was the most fun to draw. So uh, if you, Craig, if you got any more. Yeah, I was gonna say, what, what's your convention schedule like? Are you uh, are you hitting the circuits on the East Coast or? Uh, probably not the East Coast. Well, I'm I'm probably going to uh, Mid Ohio Convention. I think that's in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to Wizard World Chicago. I think I'm going to Mid Ohio Convention. Um, and then I think that's it as far as cons. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of the year, I'm doing I'm doing some store events and some store signings and stuff, uh, and then I'm doing some smaller shows. I'm doing one in Kokomo, Indiana, and I think there might be one other one, mm. but uh, I don't think there's anything past uh, Columbus. Right, right. You got to get to the East Coast, Baltimore. I was, yeah, I, don't no, know if I you, do. I don't know if you've ever been to the Baltimore Comic Con, but that's always a blast. There's always a big image uh, presence there. Is that, is that a two-day con? Yeah, two or three. I think it might yeah. be three, like a Friday night. But. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, there's there's uh, more time for me to do more cons. Um, I did more stuff this year than I've done in previous years, mm-hmm. just because I want to try to get out there and try to promote and push Supreme as much as possible. Right. But uh, I've always kind of stayed in you know the Midwest area, going you know from Columbus all the way through to. Uh, uh, Iowa, like on uh, Cedar Falls, I go out there quite a bit. Right, right. Um, so, so I have like a five or six hour radius that I travel around from where I live. Yeah. Just well, so I can keep it within driving distance. Yeah, because you got to fit your work in with that too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, are you selling any of your original artwork for Supreme for those who might be interested? Or um, I sold a couple pages. Yeah. Uh, so far, I'm sure you know who some of them went to. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, yeah, I do know actually yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I haven't sold too many. I don't really want to, you know, sell too many of them if I can help it. Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's the art sales is what makes up for when there's a gap between books. Yeah. I, so I try to hold on to art until I until I need to sell it. Yeah, yeah. But I always, I always like to have it on me, you know, when I do signings or, or conventions. I always have, you know, at least one portfolio full of, full of stuff. And it but, seems uh, like you do a ton yeah, of... Just, uh, I've sold a couple of pages. It seems like you do a ton of commissions because I've seen a, a bunch of your commission work. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a bunch of commissions this year. Uh, I took like a week and did like 15 of them heading into a, a store event. Uh, then I don't think I've done anything since then. Are you are you, yeah, open, like, are you open for commissions right now? Uh, Yeah, I mean like not this second, but I mean I, I'm always open for commissions, but it could take, you know, oh, as much as like a month or two to get something back from me. Um, I usually don't like to take on commissions until – you know, I actually have like a week or two and I can just bust them all out. But, um, you know, when I do, when I do store signs and conventions, I, I sit there for two or three days and just do nothing but sketch and commissions for people. Cool. And just, uh, lastly, the alternate covers, what's the deal with that? I know like this newest issue, we have two covers. I think the one before you did I a cover, it, but we only saw one. Uh, for issue 64, the cover w- was used as a second printing. Oh, so did a second so, printing come out? Uh, I I think... I want to say it sure. came out this week. Okay. I want to say it came out alongside... I saw. I thought I saw it on a shipping list. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it came out... Uh, I think it might have came out last week or the week before. But it, I think it... I did see it on the... Uh, uh, as far as coming out, it was coming out sometime this month. Oh, good. Cause I'm gonna have to, you know. But you know, I didn't know it was gonna be used for the second printing. I just I did it, and then I found out, you know, when I got my comps that it said second printing on there. Yeah. And then the third one, I didn't know if they were gonna use or not. And then you know, I got my comps, and it, you know, it was half was Eric's cover, half was my cover. So I'm hoping that that means that you know, it's it's a fifty fifty split. But I think this is the last one. Well, I'm, I'm positive this is the last one where there's any cover variants. I have to say, uh, I I buy the Eric Larson covers just out of habit. But your oh, cover yeah. for sixty-five is actually a lot more fun. Thanks. This, this particular that's, issue. That's uh, you know, Eric does has done a lot of those uh, not a lot, a couple of those uh, covers where you see the character's helmet or face dead on, and you see the reflection in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just the one with Overlord and and Malcolm's reflection in it. Right. So I wanted to kind of do like a little play on that, where you see Supreme's uh, reflection in his uh, eyepiece. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun one. I'm glad that I'm glad that they used it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a win for the book too because I think um, just for the collectors out there, I mean, it it does give a little push and a little incentive to hey, let's just grab two copies, you know, and, and helps out you know right. indie book. But um, I I like getting all the covers. I just you know I enjoy the book and it's just fun to collect them. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fun book for anyone that gives it a chance, um, and it's, it goes in some weird places, and I mean, I don't know what, uh, it's, for me, it's just the premise itself, 
you know, Larson, Wright, and Michael Supreme is just, you know, nothing else would even need to be, need to be said. Right, right. It's 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 going to be like Savage Dragon, I think, in terms of you're not going to know where this is going to go from one issue to the next. Anything can happen, and anything will right. happen, you know, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Right. Cool. Is there any uh, anything you want to plug or or add? Uh, no, no, I, I got nothing to plug. Yeah. Uh, Supreme's already out, and Avengers Academy, and you know, nothing really to. You know, I don't, I don't make any more money, no matter how much Avengers Academy sells. So <laughs> I'm not gonna plug that. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I really want to thank you for uh, spending uh, the last hour with us and talking Supreme. It was a pleasure talking to you. We learned a lot. It was fun. Yeah, this has been a wonderful experience. It's great having creators on just to talk about their process and their history and how this wacky industry works, and it's really cool. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, we'll have to do it again. Maybe, uh, you know, next month when the next issue comes out, we'll have to get together for an hour. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll definitely keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to have you back. All right, guys. Hey, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And now we're going to take a look at Savage Dragon 180. Uh, just came out last week. Uh, we uh, feels like it was. It's been forever since 179 came out. It's been at least a month and a half, or if not more. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely over. Been over a month, and uh, been chomping at the bit to read it to get to this conclusion of the story arc. So I'm pretty excited to have it in my hands. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, 179 left us on a pretty good cliffhanger, if I recall. Yeah. With uh, Angel confronting Malcolm with uh, telling him that she wants him to sleep with her. We were all wondering what the heck that was all about. Right. But before we get to that, we open... Well, before we even get to that, we look at the cover. And uh, I remember when this the solicitation copy for this came out and uh, we got to look at this cover. And I said it was pretty... I think we all said it was a pretty neat-looking cover. Yeah, it's one of my favorite covers of the whole Savage Dragon series. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a lot of neat detail, especially in the background. Uh, sometimes I feel uh, backgrounds get a little bit uh, lost in Savage Dragon. Usually they're like a shape or they're a color. So it's kind of neat to see Eric uh, ink in a very detailed background with like all these little pipes and mm-hmm. brickwork and cracks and all the sludge in the water. Right. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just kind of cool. Yeah. I just like the whole composition of it. I mean, and I think, uh, it's one of the best drawings of Malcolm that Eric has produced. He just looks badass. And yeah, definitely sense of energy about it. Like, you know, something's about to happen. Right. So when you, when you flip open this page and, you see a familiar sight. Um, it, this is what the, the third time we've opened the comic to see this. It's I counted f- four. If you count the reprint of issue zero and one fifty, it's five times. Um, basically, um, it's you know the splash page of that Savage Dragon face, which we first saw in Savage Dragon number zero with Kerr saying the same exact thing, kill them, kill them all, which he was referring to 
the humans of Earth. Um, and a funny thing to note was the title on this comic is The Way It Must Be. On Savage Dragon number zero, it was actually The Way It Was. So you got The Way It Was and The Way It Must Be. Um, and we've had, I'm trying to think here, we've had Kerr in issue zero. Kerr is in zero. Kroll in issue, it must have been during uh, Emperor Dragon at some well, point. Well, first we had we had Kerr in issue zero, and then uh, in issue 150, of course, we had the reprint of zero. And then in issue 153, we had Kerr again, which was like when they revived the mangled up body of Dragon from the virus saga. And it wasn't that first splash page, but it was the same image of kind of like dragon waking up and it was like that same, that same splash. Oh, that, that was the last page. Right? I think was it was the last, the last page, page of 153. Yeah. Okay. And then 167, you get the same page, but it's crawl. It's, it's obviously younger looking dragon. His eyes look different. So it's, it's not, he's saying, he's saying, save them, save them. All. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then in this 180, which is kind of a cool little thing. If you flip between 180 and zero, you've noticed you know, this is Dragon now, which, of course, is also Kerr, and he's saying the same thing. But if you look at the face, the, Eric's added quite a few more wrinkles to uh, Dragon between issue 0 and 180. Um, if you look at the issue 0, he's, his, his, uh, well, issue 180, his like forehead's a lot more wrinkled. He's added more wrinkles, kind of like in his neckline, a few more crow's feet lines. So it's kind of cool that he did that. Because um, I didn't catch that at first until I read the issue like a third time and compared it. Um, so I thought that was neat. I am a little uh, sick of seeing the same splash, but it is a good storytelling device. You know, it's just Eric reinforcing that, you know. Yeah, again, it does feel like, you know, I mean, in one hand, it does seem like it's three pages wasted out of 20 because it's something we've seen before. Yeah. But the truth is, he redraws these every time. These aren't copy-pasted. Yeah. If you look at the ship page with the double-page spread with the ship, yeah. the, the background is different. It's a different spacescape than we've seen before because it you know, suggests that the ship is traveling through space. Yeah, like to go, to go through that real quick, you had, you know, it's almost the same setup with the ship. The ship's always, you know, I, I don't know if he's using the same kind of stat like ship image which I assume he is, and just changing the background. But, you know, issue zero showed Earth, where, uh, in the you know, in the top uh, right-hand corner. And then 167 was almost the same with Earth. That was, like, a red Earth, because Curd kind of poisoned the Earth. It's that same image. Right. Uh, issue 175 is kind of like when Dragon kind of woke up out in space, so it's kind of just like a weird-shaped planet. And then you get this issue 180, and it's Calyptus. Is that how you say it? Vanguard's planet? Calyptus sounds yeah, right to me. Yeah, which kind of looks like the Death Star or something like that. And now that you mention it, if that's Calyptus, I guess it sort of explains which end of the ship is the front end, because it's probably the part that's pointed at the planet. Because yeah, remember that's, we talked yeah. about that. That's what I had always assumed. I know that was brought up, but yeah, it makes sense. Um. But I think it is a good storytelling device. I mean, it's it's kind of just you know you're unclear where Dragon where Kerr ends and Dragon begins in that line. You know, at first you thought it was a, a real rigid line. You know, there's two different sides, and now it just seems like you know it's not so clear anymore. You know, Dragon and Kerr are a lot 
similar, more similar than, you know, maybe we thought in the past. I'm not, well, I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this on the FinCast, but the impression I got when Kerr became the dominant personality and he got to compare them, to, compare him to Dragon and Dragon's actions, they're both very brutal, very vicious in their tech, uh, in their tactics, in their techniques. Yeah. Dragon just, he fights for, um, I mean, what am I trying to say? You're right in that they have a lot in common, uh, personality-wise. Uh-huh. Basically, they're both ruthless, all right? Right. But they're ruthless for different reasons. Yeah, I think Kerr is more just all about himself, whereas Dragon will fight for his friends and family. You know, whereas... Right. Dragon's willing to make hard choices. He, he, he He's willing to uh, decide who lives and dies for the big picture. And Kerr is similar because in a lot of ways he was trying he, – he wanted to kill Earth for his people. Yeah. But he was uh, – I guess he's more detached. Yeah. From, he, he, he doesn't empathize with anyone who's not him. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's funny. We always talk about like how um, Robert Kirkman took you know a page or two out of the Eric Larson book of writing comics. And the more we talk about this, the more – you can also make that parallel between like Rick Grimes and Savage Dragon where you know Rick Grimes does makes the hard decisions to survive in a zombie filled you know apocalyptic world and it's not always the right decision but he makes it as the leader and you know Savage Dragon and Eric's been writing Savage Dragon that way for you know 180 issues you know so there's a lot of similarities in in that you know and he's also made a lot of mistakes, like thinking that he's doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing that have, you know, caused a lot of destruction. Uh, moving on, we get a resolution to the uh, the cliffhanger from last issue, and Malcolm is pretty much baffled at Angel's turn. Yeah. At her uh, her her view of the situation apparently she's got a very nihilistic view basically she's convinced that they're all going to die and there's nothing that they can do about it i'm not sure i'm happy with this uh evolution of her character mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of angel as a character from her power set to her history to you know being a hero and i know it's weird because Main reason why one of the major reasons I like Savage Dragon so much is that it has so many strong female characters. Yeah. And so when you have a character like Angel suddenly seem to come across as weak, I guess it just doesn't really feel right. Yeah, and especially since you know all they've been through with you know, uh, you know, being out in Dimension X or you know fighting Kerr and thinking it was the end there, you would think that you know. By this time, she would just be strong enough and be like, look, we've kind of beat the odds many times before, you know. Like, I had similar problems with her mom when she lost her powers and became just a complete basket case of worry. Yeah. I mean, it kind of made sense, but at the same time, it, I don't know, it, it didn't really click with me as a character uh, trait. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel, or it didn't, it didn't feel right. I mean, I could buy it, and I mean, I think it worked in the end. Right. But uh, I do hope this is like Angel's low point and she crawls out yeah. of it at some point. The one thing that you know I can say about it is that um, it kind of reinforces like that all 
hope is lost in the story having a character that's like oh man we just let's just give up i mean we see it a couple of times we see it you know a couple more pages in with rex that everyone's just like you know what we're screwed there's nothing that that we can do and it gives you we're that screwed s- let's screw yeah it gives you that sense of you know wow like you know if these guys are giving up then we're doomed unless something crazy happens and i mean yeah i get that i mean it's supposed to paint a picture of things being very dire yeah. And I do like how Malcolm kind of takes the reins and is like, you know, screw that. I'm not laying down. I'm uh, <laughs> literally. He's like, you know, we're gonna find a way to, you know, figure this out and save the day. I don't know. I just part of me kind of wishes that the roles were reversed. That Malcolm was the one. Yeah. Thinking that all hope was lost and Angel was, you know, leading the way. Yeah, I could see that working. I don't know, but that, that's just me. You know, wishful thinking on my part. I mean, the book is Malcolm's, and Malcolm's got to be the hero. And right. right, I don't know. No, I hear that. So we get a few more cameos coming up, and uh, we see uh, Mighty Man, who is uh, Betty Bradford, of course, is uh, Nurse Anne's daughter, who's got the Mighty Man powers. So I'm assuming it's just like you know, it's a baby with the Mighty Man powers. So she's probably just flailing around, just knocking out aliens left and right whatever happens to get in range just throwing a tantrum right um would not want to be the babysitter (laughs) so and it's just like you know i think it's just trying eric trying to progress the story showing like uh, malcolm and angel kind of just walking i think this this issue is a lot of them just kind of walking down the streets and just seeing all this crazy crap going down um and then they cut to the gods and uh, we see uh, – it's like, oh, no, man. My favorite gods, that little white guy that's got the little, like, air jet skis gets torn in half. I love that dude. Yeah, he's one of those background characters. That, and, and didn't uh, alternate angel steal his shoes once? I think that was, like, a whole yeah, issue yeah. at one point. That was one, the flying shoes incident yeah, it, from, like – And uh, Dragon puts on, like, the little web shooters and goes and saves him. Right. So I like that dude. It's too bad he had to go. <laughs> The guy with the horns in the background, he's like, his facial expression just cracks me up because he's like, did this just happen? Yeah. What's going on? His head's just flying around. Whoops. And then you get Thor and Hercules fighting side by side. And Thor is, uh, of course, still blinded. Uh, if you remember, he was blinded in his fight with uh, Kerr in issue 163. And Kerr kind of just took his fingers and popped his eyes in. So I'm wondering how Thor gets around these days not being able to see anything. I don't know. Got to imagine being a god. He's got good hearing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Hercules is about, you know, as big of an enemy of Thor as Dragon is. Thor hates Dragon and Hercules. So to see them fighting together is kind of uh, something cool to see. Then we get a really cool splash page on the next page with Overlord. Yeah. Going you know, nuts, just blowing up aliens, standing on top of a corpse pile. Yeah, pile of a ton of vicious circle goons. And from what I've heard, Gavin Higginbotham, who you guys would know from, uh, he was, he's a host on the FinCast. He hasn't been with us in a while, but um, he's a, a regular on the forums and... You know, he helps Eric out a lot with uh, 
some of the more obscure vicious circle guys that you know haven't shown up in a while but he uh helped eric pick out a bunch of uh from what i heard he helped eric pick out a bunch of these old vicious circle goons to to bite it um a lot of these guys haven't shown up since you know the gang war issues during the 20s uh during i think it when was when did the gang war happen like uh, 30s? I don't know. No, I think it was it's, like uh, mid 20s. Um, but anyway, there was. Was it, was it that early? What's that? I, I was just thinking if it was in Archives One or Archives Two. Yeah, well, there was a, a ton of guys that kind of showed up for a panel or two just to kind of give you an idea of you know the size of the vicious circle, and then we kind of really never saw them again. And uh, you know, they're all here, pretty much getting wasted, just kind of showing you that. They're probably battling the aliens, and the aliens just kind of made a mess of all of them with, you know, only Overlord standing on a pile of corpses. Um, if Gavin was here, he could name every single one of those guys. Oh, I'm sure he could. Something I just realized about this page, this splash page, mm-hmm. it's full bleed. Yeah, it's something we haven't yeah, seen in a while, I don't think. Right. I, I think I talked about this a couple of issues ago, that while... Eric has been for years now uh, doing his full page uh, uh, splash pages in like a box like they used to do in the Silver Age because they didn't have the technology to do the full page bleeds. Yeah. yeah. So he was uh, he was emulating that as best I can tell, that except for perhaps the uh, the double page spread earlier in the book, which is a full bleed as well, of course. And every time it shows up, it's a full bleed. The, the spaceship. But it, it's the about. first. Yeah, the, the spaceship double page spread, mm-hmm. right? I believe every time that sh- that page has happened, it's been a full bleed as well. But this is like the first time outside of that we've seen a full page spread. Yeah. And uh, I think I commented previously that while I appreciate the uh, the Silver Age style of the other way he was doing it, I love this going all the way to the edges. It just makes it boom explode. I agree. I I enjoy the full bleed uh, splashes as well. Yeah, I I couldn't see this panel working in a box right right yeah no it's a gorgeous panel it really is should make it a poster um i'd buy that poster yeah and to just kind of move on past that the next page we see uh we see the what do you call them the dreadheads is that what they're called dread knights uh kind of robots yeah i'm kind of curious where they came from because didn't Eurus die no i think he's still kicking around I kind of forget how that all shook out. It was a while yeah, ago. Yeah, he's not dead. He's still around. Uh, I thought he was in prison, but I don't think he was. I think, you know, a couple issues back, maybe 10 or 15 issues back, they were, they had a uh, an interview with him in, in the pages, and he was kind of just trash and dragging. But, um, yeah, I don't recall where he stands at this point. Um, I was thinking, though, how cool would it have been to see, like, a splash of, like, Dread Knight and Overlord back to back, kind of wasting aliens. You know, two kind of like Doctor Doom esque characters looking. That would have been kind of yeah. a neat, like you know, supervillain team up. That's, that would have been a bit like the Hercules Thor back to back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would have been. A, yeah, that that would have been. Yeah, neat. a cool little like dynamic. Then Overlord could have blown Dread Knight's head off. <laughs> yeah. Um. And we see the Groks come back, and for those who yeah, we just we just talked yeah, about them yeah, too. We did. Um, 
They come uh, crawling up out of the water. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, and apparently it's uh, they're under Mako's command because he wasted King Garf, who is the kind of the Atlantean king now. So this is the second kind of Atlantean king that Mako's disposed of now. He's got a taste. Yeah, so they're kind of launching out of the water, and the Groks, which are these giant, you know, creatures, just kind of jumping out of the water and grabbing all the. Tyranian spaceships and just making a mess out of them, I guess. And then uh, we get a page that's kind of Eric kind of flashing back, showing other heroes in the action. And we see Supreme. Looks a little odd to me. I don't know if... Well, it's weird because we were just talking about this in the interview that sometimes we don't understand how much uh, Corey Hampshire uh, uh, comes through in doing his Supreme work. And here we have a pure Eric Larson Supreme who doesn't look like he's on model with what's going on over in Supreme. Yeah, he looks and a I don't, little... I can't tell if that's intentional or what, but it does kind of draw a comparison between just what exactly Corey does. Right, right. We, uh, we see Supreme, we see uh, Mudman, we see Madman, and we see Ant. And I know a lot of people on the forums are like, oh, why the hell is Ant in here, you know? And I thought it was a weird choice as well. Um, I think I've heard Eric talk about this in the past, and I think he really likes the design of Ant. Um, but it was a weird choice for me seeing that. You know, Ant was in Image Comics, and I think Eric said, yeah, you know, like Dragon and uh, Arachnid have both appeared in Ant, so, you know, basically, like, why not? But, you know, I just feel like there were a ton of other characters he could have put in there that were way better than Ant. Again, it's his call, but... You know, right. Savage Dragon characters have appeared in Jay uh, Faber's books, like Dynamo 5 and stuff like that. It would have been cool to see some of those guys, or I don't know, maybe like Glory or Youngblood or Bloodstrike, you know, some of the Extreme Universe guys in there besides Supreme. But I got a, I got a pretty good idea that when Ant was at Image and Eric let the Ant creator use Dragon and Arachnid, there was like a gentleman's agreement that at some point he would be allowed to use Ant and Savage Dragon. Yeah. So he's probably just uh, getting that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, Since uh, using her in any other major capacity would probably never happen. Right. Yeah, it's just weird, you know, because it, it seems like an odd choice to me. I don't think that book's being published anymore. Um, and there's I, I sometimes see solicitations for it. It like tries to re- take it, make an appearance, and then it disappears yeah. again. Uh, it's just weird. I mean, it just seemed like there's a ton of other characters he could have used. It seemed like an odd choice, and I know I wasn't the only one to say that. So. Anyway, I will say that seeing Mudman is kind of weird because Jack Staff, who is also created by Paul Grist, awesome comic, read Jack Staff. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just weird because I don't think Mudman and Jack Staff exist in the same universe in Jack Staff and Mudman. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. So, <laughs> eh, whatever. I'm, I guess we can just call this a different dimension, probably, where they do. <laughs> Who knows? I guess it's not that important, right? Also, read Mudman. Yeah, I got the first issue. I never... uh, There's just too much stuff coming out that I never was able to catch up with the other stuff. With the the rest of the Mudman issues. What are they up to? Number three or four? Four. Which is... uh, Remember when we were talking about books getting late and losing their momentum? See Mudman. Yeah. Well, that's what happened with Jack Staff, too. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it, it's it's so anno- it's annoying is the wrong word. It's unfortunate. Yeah. 
Paul Grist is an amazing storyteller, and he is a dynamite artist. But it's so time-consuming to make these comics. Yeah. All it can do is fall behind. And when comics don't come out on time, people just lose interest. Right, right, right. And the sales drop, and that's all she wrote. Definitely. Um, moving on, we see uh, Super Patriot kind of coming back. I know in the issue before that, we saw uh, the SOS uh, kind of getting slaughtered. Didn't we? Didn't we see a bunch of guys... Uh, well, we see most of SOS slaughtered right yeah, now. Yeah, we because, see them uh, all. Well, sometimes it's unclear. Like, are they laying there knocked out or are they slaughtered? But I think in the issue before, we saw a lot of them getting, like, you know, torn apart and whatever. I want to say Race and Buttress definitely got gutted last yeah. issue. So, I don't know what's going on there. At least we know uh, Super Patriot's still alive and kicking. And as a pretty cool shot of him. Eric doesn't always show, like... Shots of Super Patriot with like a bunch of different guns and stuff coming out. Usually he just kind of shows his hands as guns, and it's kind of neat that he has all these little guns coming out of his legs and everything. Yeah, it's really it's really good. I mean, there's 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 some really good one panel action bits in this in this yeah. issue. Yeah, it's a uh, it's just it's really cool sometimes. Yeah. Um. The next page, uh, I like the top panel um, of that page because it's kind of like Angel and Malcolm side by side. And I think Eric's getting real comfortable of drawing, with drawing Malcolm's face. And it's real distinct and different than his father's. He's re- I think Eric's getting more comfortable and, and a lot better at drawing like the African-American like f- facial features of uh, Malcolm. Um, yeah. You can definitely tell that. He's Malcolm and not, you know, Dragon. Dragon, right. He definitely has uh, some of his mom's look yeah, to him. which is cool. Um, I didn't really like the next panel. I mean, I know a lot of people got kick out of it. That was pretty funny. Like, you know, they, they busted into Rex's uh, laboratory to try to help get his help on, you know, getting rid of the aliens. And they walk in on him screwing Hortus. And I, I just thought it was a little over the top and silly. I mean, I guess that's what Eric was going for, but... I don't know. Savage Dragon has been over the top and still. Yeah, I know, before. I know. But it's just, I don't know. It seemed a little much. It's like the end of the world. I mean, don't they have a daughter? Where's, uh, you know, Dixie Dexter, you know? like Exactly. You know, wouldn't they be, like, with her at the end of the world or something like that? And I'm probably overanalyzing it and whatever. But just thought it was a little weird and I didn't know what your take was on that. No, I agree. I agree. It's one of those little things about this issue that's that definitely bugged me. Yeah. It just it feels like it's too cramped. Yeah. It, it, it when the when the invasion started, the last two issue it was yeah two issues ago when the aliens when the uh, when the aliens first showed up started causing trouble. Last issue they were running around trying to fight, and this issue's the end. And frankly, I don't think three issues was nearly enough to tell a really compelling story. Yeah, um, I agree. Out of that setup. No, it was just there was. Definitely details um, that could have made this great, and instead leave it, you know, fairly straightforward. Yeah, my my big problem is that you know the aliens don't have any kind of like figurehead to talk for them. They they just come off as a bunch of dumb bugs, and it's 
you know, whatever. They're, they're slaughtering a bunch of people. It's, you know, you're freaking out because you don't know who's going to survive. But it would have been nice to have another kind of super villain, you know, or some kind of headpiece to speak for the Tyranian race to kind of, you know, get an idea of what's going on to, to give you that kind of face of the invasion. Right. There's like there, there's like no Kree Supreme Intelligence or there's no whoever leads the scrolls or there's nothing like that in this story. It's just Well, in a lot of ways, that's what the Vanguard backup's for. Right. I yeah. guess. It gives the aliens more of a voice and a motivation and we're more seeing the actual battle itself. And I guess that's kinda cool where the the backup and the main story kinda create this all-encompassing whole, right. but but at the same time, the main we'll probably get to it as we keep going here. Mm-hmm. But the main the main flaw of the story that I'm seeing is that Malcolm and Angel don't seem to have any relevance to how it all shakes right. out. They survive like everyone else survives, and I think that's kind of unfortunate when they're the lead characters of a superhero comic. And I know that you know Savage Dragon often bucks trends, right? And that's what makes it so great, but in this case, it's distracting. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with all of that. I know um, some guys over on the Savage Dragon Farm, you know, were totally thrilled with this issue. I was in the camp where I was a little bit let down by this issue, and we can talk more about that. But let's let's get through to the ending and then kind of discuss. Um, yeah. What, what it means. Yeah. I mean. Just to skip through the next couple of pages, it just kind of Eric. Just, well, before we before we skip forward, the last little bit here with uh, Malcolm and Rex, where uh, basically Angel jumps to, "Hey, Dragon met God once. We'll get God to help." Yeah. And then uh, Malcolm goes, "That was a dream, Angel. There is no God." And I think that's an interesting character trait that Malcolm also doesn't believe in God like his father. Right, right, right. But then Rex uh, apparently is the man with the plan, and he's uh, he's a uh, He's convinced that God, or at least a God, exists, and that might be able to help. Right. Which I guess you know kind of makes sense because we, you know, this universe takes place where there's Thor and Hercules, you know, living on Earth. So there's got to be some kind of knowledge of Zeus or Odin or something, you know. So I just don't know how you know we've never seen Rex kind of contact the gods in any way before. I don't think. Yeah. So. This is kind of like a weird, you know, thing that he's like, oh, that's not true, you know. So we'll find out, you know, hopefully find out how he's going to contact God or whatever. Then we get some more destruction with some more quick cameos. We see um, Star, Big Red. Yeah, Big Red and uh, Star back in costume, uh, presumably because of how bad things are and um, you know who this guy with the hair and the bow tie is? He seems familiar. I was going to ask you. He's definitely showed up before, and I don't know. He's not the talk show host, is he? I don't think so. I think he was one of the scientists that were working on trying to find out Dragon's origin or something like that. Okay. I don't know, though. I have to go. If Gavin was here, you can answer it in like two seconds. Yeah, but, I'm sure. Um, Let me get a quick shot of Zeke, and I think this is uh... – Wildstar. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. And the, the guy getting his head munched is another one of those vicious circle goons. I do like the last kind of four panels on this on you know this page here where it's kind of like you're seeing you know the, the, the aliens kind of 
you know, killing guys and then kind of just glances back and he's kind of like looking at Malcolm because the last panel is just Malcolm being like, oh, crap. It's like you're seeing it through his eyes. You see like the thing turn around, stare Malcolm in the eyes and kind of lunge forward towards him. At least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Uh, it's yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, um, I guess uh, layout or sequence. Yeah, it's sequence. And then, Deus Ex Machina. In this case, literally, literally. yeah. Um, another full bleed. Yep. Very cool. All 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 God is. I'm honestly, how, how much do we know about All God? I mean. He was definitely in, he was he was involved when um, Jennifer and Dragon went to God World the first right. time. We saw him there. He was the one who actually who sent them home. Right. Yep. And I think and this was also brought up on the forums. I think he and it makes sense to me. I think he's just a manifestation of like all the gods. Well, all of the head gods. He's like Zeus and Odin and uh, uh, who knows Krishna or. Christian yeah. God, who knows? Like you know, a ton of different gods. Joseph Smith, probably. If you look at that splash page, is like one of the heads is like kind of like a one of uh, the uh, the Atlantean. It's Atlantean, or is that like a Vanguard's head kind of there? Oh, okay, you're right. No, you're right. That is a Vanguard head, Calypton head, or whatever. So. Head, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if it's all the gods throughout the universe or whatever it is. Um, so that's something to keep in mind if he's just kind of like a projection of all the gods into one kind of being. Well, I've always kind of assumed he's not so much that he's a projection of all the gods. He is just all of the gotcha. gods. I mean, a lot of the uh, your old a lot of your uh, mythological gods actually have physical form. They're not. Um, I guess what's the word? Uh, omnipresent, yeah. like the Christian yeah. God. They're they're actually they're they're immortal in the sense they're ageless. But gods get killed all the time in mythology. Right. They're they're uh, they're mortal enough to die, or at least go to hell, or have various uh, sexy adventures on Earth, whatever. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I I kind of assume he's just the one guy, but he has he just contains all the power of all those gods. He's the uh, the physical manifestation of the belief in these guys. Right, right. I guess. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, you know, I mean, I guess only Eric knows how he, he, you know, how this character works, but. Gotta wonder where he was when uh, um, Universo was gonna eat the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. Just... That would've been cool. Universo versus All God. Right. A throwdown. Right. I mean, and that just goes, that's another thing. I just don't. I don't like the ending of this issue. I I don't like, you know, this Deus Ex Machina kind of all God coming and saving the day because it's just too easy. It's you know he like you said, why didn't Rex summon all God when Universal was around? Thing is, there's like there's no actual suggestion that Rex summoned him. Rex mentions him. That's true. And then he shows That's up. That's true. There's like this entire issue worth of stuff that could have happened where Angel and Malcolm are transported by Rex to uh, God Town and they have to like plead to All God to intercede and you could like make like ten more pages of the story out of yeah. that and then Malcolm and Angel are the heroes 
but all God is still the magic bullet that saves the day. Right, right. It's, it's like there, there's it's, it's, it just seems like there's a missing story chunk here, and I think that's unfortunate to something that should have been epic in scale, mm-hmm. because it is epic. I mean, there's lots of explosions going on here, and there's his all god fighting aliens. Yeah. But it literally takes two pages to wrap this up. Well, yeah, it's it's like all god shows up and just kind of makes all the you know spaceships pop basically, it just blows them all up. He's got some kind of cosmic power. He's just blasting the aliens all around, and then it seems like it drains him. So he's kind of just all bent over, drained of his energy. And, you know, it's like two, what, two, like, U.S. Air Force jets come by and drop nukes or something on him. I don't know. They probably just shot him with regular missiles. It kind of is like a callback to when Osama yeah, bin Laden and came back. Yeah, and that's another thing I didn't like about this issue. It, it's, you know... The Osama bin Laden thing happened three issues earlier, and it was basically the same thing. You got a giant, you know, giant monster kind of Mon- monster man, yeah, and they blow him up with you know jets come in, shoot missiles at him, blow him up. You know that just happened three episode three issues ago. So I don't know. I you know to kill a god like that. I guess you know his power was drained or whatever. Um, the only other thing I can think of is like what people had mentioned on the forums uh, that they said. Of course, they, they may not be jets because I'm looking at them. They're kind of not jet-shaped. They're kind of squiggles. Yeah. <laughs> Flying squiggles. Cla- classic Eric Larson shorthand for background details. It's kind of hard to tell what yeah, they are. Yeah, well, regardless. As far, I as, mean, we know, something... they, as far as we know, they could be like the highest-tech SOS jets. Yeah, I, and I don't world. think that's really important, but... It's not, not really. You know, and that's the other thing. You know, maybe uh, this all god thing was just a projection of all the gods. So it might not. You know, he might not be dead. He might just have. You know, his projection has just been destroyed. And you know, of course, if he is dead, I'm sure the rest of the gods won't be too pleased. Exactly. You know, I don't know what that. You know, what we're gonna see from that. Although I know. Uh, in interviews I've read about this issue with Eric that Eric's not – it seems like he's going to be going more the street-level story and getting away from these big, you know, encompassing giant melees, giant, you know, world wars. Um, I think it's getting hard for him to top the next story. I mean, there's only so many times you can destroy the whole world and level Chicago. Right. I could, yeah, I, I can totally understand that, and you know, I think I think this book definitely needs to take a step back and start developing characters again. Because yeah. the 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 a lot of people they look back at the early run of Savage Dragon, they see it as their the 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 best run because for everything the comic is back in the early days, it took its time to build up its characters. Exactly. And then when things happen to them, you can't. I mean, and the other thing is it took time to build up stories. I mean, he would have subplots going, you know, 10 to 15 issues before they actually acted out, you know? And then you'd be like, oh, right. that's why this character did this. And, you know, and I used to enjoy that. We see less and less of that. Yeah, there's still stuff like that going on. I mean, Overlord's still out there, that question mark. But sometimes it feels that those sorts of questions get relegated to the I just, background. Yeah, I mean, I... I feel like if this was back in the day, about you know, ten to fifteen issues ago, you would have seen Rex working on some kind of weird machine, and 
someone being like, what are you working on? And being like, oh, don't worry about it. And then come this issue, it would have been like, you know, the big reveal that the machine was a device to communicate with all God or something like that. You know what I mean? But there would have been clues and not just, you know, it seems like spur of the moment. Like, like Eric used to, I, in his older issues, I think was really good at kind of dropping clues that would actually mean something when the time came. And I don't see that as much anymore. Well, let's wrap this up. We're getting near the end. Uh, we get a quick touchback with what's going on with Vanguard and the backup mm -hmm. in Savage Dragon with uh, Vanguard. Ba basically, the, uh, the, the um, invaders are running, and uh, Vanguard is saying we're going to kill them all, wipe them out, because uh, he is pissed. Yeah, that's kind of a echoing what dragon said in the beginning of the episode basically you know wipe them out every last one of them dragon saying kill them kill them all yeah you're right but yeah we get back to dragon and it looks like uh he employed the same kind of devices that kerr employed to wipe out uh humans is like humans. that red misting stuff right the ones he uh he used in the alternate reality but didn't get to use right. now so they're still laying around, I guess. I guess they just packed them up. Yeah, or he just knows how to make new ones. I don't know. But see, this is what's interesting, okay? With all gods showing up, saving the day on Earth, it's a little sudden. It's like, you know, it comes out. Of, it feels like it comes out of nowhere, unsatisfying. But here we get one panel of these things putting the gas in the atmosphere. You know, you know what's going on because it's it's been previously set up before. Right. And you can believe that in the, the you know, since we last saw Dragon in the issue, he's implemented this plan and it's believable. Right. See, in this case, he can wipe out the entire species on a planet in a single panel and it feels right. Like it, like it's something that can happen. we've seen it, yeah. Like, like we've seen it, there's a setup. But it doesn't work when it's all God coming out of nowhere. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting that you got those two moments in the same issue. One works and the other yeah. doesn't. And we get basically... Uh... Krull telling Dragon that he's not going to stand for genocide and, you know, Dragon's stance is, you know, let's swipe out all these guys, you know, they're just pretty much nothing but bugs and they're destroying everything else, we got to get rid of them. But I guess the Krillin or Krillin, however you'd say, I guess they're called Krillins or Krillins, Dragon's race is all about, Krillins. you know. Peace and understanding and Right, and I guess they don't ever being naive. They don't kill at all, I guess. So Krull's, I guess, at the point where he's had enough, and he basically challenges Dragon to a blood match. So I assume that they have to, you know, fight to the death. So I, uh, I really enjoy this aspect of the book. This is my favorite part of the book right now: the relationship between Dragon and his race. Yeah, and seeing the, you know. The, the Kerr slash dragon side of things and just making that kind of uh, comparison. I think that's, that's my favorite part right now. I, I didn't really enjoy the, the alien invasion arc as much as most, uh, many other people did. Right. But getting to see dragon back as a major character in the arc, probably that was what you were. That's what you got. You enjoyed the most out of this is just having dragon back. It's not so much dragon back, but it's, I think the story is the better of the two stories. You know, Dragon's kind of conflict with, you know, his son and doing the ways things he wants to do. 
And at the same time, you know, we're at the point where the race is now rejecting him as, as though he's just as bad as Krull. I and mean, as just as bad as Kerr. Kerr. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. But of course, uh, they wouldn't openly, uh, they, they wouldn't have openly, uh, criticized or opposed right. Kerr. Right. I want, but of course, Krull wasn't right. there. Kroll, Kroll apparently uh, has all the abilities of a chosen one as yeah, well. Yeah, and he so was leading he can, them he has for claimed. years before Dragon came back. Right. So, you know, it's kind of funny. They're against killing, but he's uh, challenging him to a blood match. Yeah, I, it's maybe it's some it's really a trick. used thing that they have in their religion or whatever. Who knows? We'll see. Well, he's got a pretty good hunch he's gonna, Dragon's going back to Earth in the next issue or two. So. Right. We'll see how that shakes out. And we're running a little long, so real quick, we'll just go through Vanguard, which is unfortunate because Vanguard was kind of cool this month. Yeah, I, every month, uh, Gary and Frank and you know Adam on letters, they, they've been hitting this out of the ballpark, and it pains me to say it, but it, you know I love I, I love Eric Larson. He's my favorite comic book creator, but I think the Vanguard serial has been outdoing the Savage Dragon stories in, in this past arc. Um, I just think you know Frank and Gary have been firing in all cylinders, and they've been doing a good job incorporating all of the Vanguard mythos together, all the characters, and visually Frank's work's just been a delight. You know, issue after issue. Um, and his covers. Got to agree. And I recall hearing from uh, Gary's mouth that, uh, or at least off the internet through Gary's typing, um, that uh, originally the Vanguard serial was going to be 10 episodes, but it's been lengthened to 12. So we're going to get two more than we were originally expecting. Yeah, that's great. It yeah. is great. So even uh, just like the use of, you look at that first page and, you know, uh, the, the, Tyranian spaceships. I love how he's using like their tentacles to kind of surround Vanguard's ship and and all like stick to it and stuff. It just it's just a neat visual. Yeah, and it's kind of the thing that you, you're kind of missing from Savage Dragon, like the the tactics that the alien race employs. It isn't all just snarling monsters. They actually have some idea of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You get to see the their robot dr- robot drones and stuff like that. They have you know technology. They they're actually kind of they're smart. You know, this this uh, this installment's big uh, big climactic moment is that Wally pretends to betray them, but actually teleports them away from uh, their ship while he uses it to self destruct and destroy the majority of the. Uh, Aliens and their ships. Yeah, basically saving everyone's life that's in Vanguard's little group. Uh, now, granted, teleportation is a very uh, heavily used thing in Vanguard, so nothing's final until we see a body. But uh, it does look like it's uh, might be for real. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel. I love Wally. He's a really fun character. Yeah, I mean, he's been with us since almost the beginning of Savage Dragon. He is a fun character. Um, I got to think, you know, he's a robot. So, and like you said, teleportation, you know, mixed in with that, there's there's got to be a way that he's going to come back. Or Yeah, there's a lot of outs, basically. We'll see if any of them are actually the case. Right. I do like... Uh, just a lot of the action with uh, 
the aliens floating around in space and ships getting ripped apart and it's just pretty cool. I, what's that guy's name? Amok? A-M-O-K? Like that... Uh, yeah. Uh, he kind of just kind of busts out almost like a Hulk-like character and just kind of jumping from ship to ship and flinging out Tyranians. And, and Lurch is copying him and helping yeah, out. Yeah, so there's like two of them. kind of fun. Lurch, Lurch is definitely my my favorite character to come out of this. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of wraps that up. I don't know where we go from here, but, you know, it kind of ties in with the main story, and they hear about an act of God kind of saving the Earth, and up in space, Wally kind of saved the crew. Um, And I know you said there's two more episodes coming through this, so it'll be interesting to see how this wraps up, if Vanguard sticks around, or if he travels back to his home planet to look for survivors or i mean because really he's got no more reason to be here unless he just wants to stick around and be with roxanne or whatever you know i wonder calling it an act of god in this panel i wonder if like this will give malcolm a reason to find religion or something possibly i don't think eric's gonna dwell on it though to be honest probably probably not so that that about wraps up uh, the issue. Um, I like like I'd said all along. I have kind of mixed reviews on you know mixed opinions on this. Uh, I liked some bits. Some bits I didn't. I, I think overall, the alien invasion story arc kind of ran out of steam. I don't know if Eric kind of lost interest, you know, as he went along or what. But it, it kind of felt a little bit like that. Uh, it's tough to. F- you know, be this harsh on it. I mean, it's still a book I love, right. and I'll never drop it. And and you know, the, the previous two issues where the invasion was really heating up, I was really hyped about it. Still, I really liked what it was doing, where it was going. But when I found out that it was going to be the invasion was over this issue, I started getting a bad feeling about how it was going to shake out because of just how much time there was to tell the story. And I really think this arc suffered because it was. It could have used one more issue. Yeah. And I think it could have been really something special. Yeah. As it is now, it's, you know, adequate. Got the job done. Saw a bunch of death and monsters and explosions, and it was cool. My, you know, and I'm not trying to be harsh on this book either, because there's a lot of good things that came out of it. But I think Eric kind of missed the boat with the intro. You know, we had the whole Kerr thing, and it was, you know, almost world-shattering. It was world-shattering. And it was a huge, you know, big mega event for Savage Dragon. And I thought this, the, the issue, the, the, the book was going to settle down and focus on Malcolm and Angel and be more kind of street centric, kind of bring it back to the Chicago kind of uh, uh, background. And, you know, we had characters like Thunderhead and do more individual character development. And then. It seemed like he had this push to get this Tyranian invasion going because the, the, the story was lingering from, I think, issue 150's backup that they were on their way to Earth. And I think he just I, – I, I don't know. I mean only Eric knows and we can ask him, but I don't know if his heart was into it after he started it. Um, I definitely hope he goes back to just kind of focusing more on Malcolm and Angel and, and doing kind of smaller scope adventures. And I think he kind of hinted on that in some of his recent interviews. Um, yeah. But I don't think he can keep out doing himself with these big, you know, 
world destroying. No, things. I definitely, I, I, I definitely agree. And you know, I think you have to have that sort of world destroying thing happen periodically. It's just they've happened so close together lately that there just hasn't been a lot of time for the series to breathe. I agree. And I definitely agree that it needs to slow down just a little bit. You got to build up all those new character, new vicious circle characters we've seen. Tell that uh, Project Born Again story, reveal Overlord, build up the supporting cast. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a lot of components to the book right now that can be yeah, amazing definitely. and will be amazing. Definitely. I'm still having a great time reading it. You know, not every arc's going to be your favorite arc. You know. Um, yeah. So let's. Uh, I know some people that really dug this. Definitely. I mean, they. They took it at face value and they loved it. Right, right. I mean, I don't love it. I like it. Let's move on. Yeah. Um. So that's that's that in a nutshell. Yep. Savage Dragon One Eighty. Um. We're kind of we're going over on time, so. Oh my <laughs> yes. Let's uh let's just quickly for the next episodes. You know, I don't know what's gonna come out. They're both gonna come. Both uh, Savage Dragon and Supreme are gonna come out in the same week, like they did. Uh, you know, this past week. But um, I kind of hope right. not. I kind of want to see them space out a little bit. But either way, Savage Dragon 181 will be the next issue, and basically uh, the solicitation says invasion is over at a price, and talks about the stunning uh, aftermath. The cover shows Dragon floating in space with a bunch of debris so uh we'll probably get a conclusion to dragon versus uh crawl and uh for supreme the solicitation for supreme 66 um it just says supreme is out for blood and supreme is our last hope or is she and it says featuring a guest star you have to see to believe so i don't know what that's about i'm not going to speculate now because it could be anybody um well, that, that that solicitation came out before the solicitation for sixty seven, so it may just be talking about Omni Man. That could that's be the true. that could be the cliffhanger. Um, and the cover of that just has Supreme punching the crap out of somebody, and Suprema kind of looking on in horror. You see that like ear flying. So that's that. It was a uh, for as much as you know, I had a, a mixed take on you know Savage Dragon one eighty. There was a lot to talk about, and that's always makes for. An interesting issue. I got a lot out of it.